I'm not into uh, occultism or uh, uh, Satanism or anything like that. I'm really a very square person. Would you care for some brown sherry and walnuts? Hello and welcome to Ramjack Lost in the Demon's Bog. Greetings everyone. In this the high holiday season, I am Alex, your host, and with me today is your other host, and uh, our good friend, Brad. Scary monsters! Ooh. Scary monsters! Ooh. Happy holidays! Happy holidays! Guys, we got a, we got, uh, a holiday treat for you today. We're going to be watching an episode of Night Gallery with Vincent Price, um, which is super weird. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Vincent Price and Bill Bixby together at last. I <laughs> uh, hope you're ready for some um, allusions to H.P. Lovecraft, because um, we talk about the Necron- Necronomicon, I think, randomly, but I can think that's like an homage. doesn't matter. It's kooky, weird occult shit, and that's that's what we uh, get. It is kooky. Vincent Price does a really good performance. I really like what he does with the role. So um, fun. But yes, we'll get to that later. Um, but before that, there are... There's a lot to get through, because um, a lot of things have been happening this October, Brad. Mm, true. Um, I, can I just start off by saying in the last episode, um, hey, listen, I, I, I may, it may get a little out of control. I may have um, strongly advocated for uh, um, killing Donald Trump and yeah. Brett Kavanaugh. Which, if listeners will know, and if any of the people from the FBI are listening, I said careful when Brad said this. Yeah, yeah Alex suggested because... not to. And we've said many times on the show before that we are adamantly against, I would say, ex- obviously extreme violence. I don't, I don't, Brad, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say that I, I spoke a little out of turn, and I really should have suggested you slowly, painfully um, uh, torture them before you murder them. Oh, boy. That's, that's what I left out. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I say, you know, Careful. I, not so much a guillotine. Cut off their heads with a chainsaw. Did you hear about the uh, the guy's brother from uh, the Chapo Trap House? No. What? Um, he said something not too dissimilar to what you're saying. He basically like said, I think on Twitter, it would be great if someone just killed this guy, and he got in trouble for it. They actually took him to court, and like he got put in jail. And obviously, he's fighting it. Obviously, because I you can't just do that to someone. No, fuck that shit. Um, when I heard that, I thought, oh, well, I mean, they're not going to be listening to Ram Jack, I don't think. Bring it, motherfuckers. Bring it. Uh, chainsaw or cauldron? It's the high holidays. You got to have Listen, some style I with something. I, know, again, I'm not advocating say, it. I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying. Alex is, is not advocating idea. it. I am personally advocating it. Uh, but I am advocating you do it in a slow and painful way. Not fast. Like, I'm all for the guillotine. So, like, I got a long list for the guillotine. Huge <laughs> long list for the guillotine. So long list for the guillotine. Um, adding to it every day in every way, Aaron Sorkin. Um, oh, but another like, name call. Shout out. But, but like, there's some some people don't deserve the guillotine. They deserve far, far worse. Um, and Donald Trump and Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. And Joe Manchin, too. Sure. Guys, l- let's use this as an opportunity to also remind you that Brad is looking for your reports. Please send in your reports, please. Send those reports in. Did you vote? Did you Did you or someone you know voted for Andrew Cuomo? Send those reports in. We're looking for your reports. Um, Brad, speaking of monsters, I think I have a, 
I'm not sure if this is a candidate for a monster uh, when we do our monster bracket early next year. Um, but I need your help because I may be misunderstanding the situation I was in and what was going on. But I, let me walk you through it and you tell me what's up. So I'm in, it's going to get a little graphic listeners. So just bear with me on this. I go into the bathroom at work. I go into a stall. I notice between the stalls on the floor oh boy. is the sports section of a newspaper strategically placed between the stalls. Okay. Just left there. Okay. Why is this paper there? Wait, wait, what? So it's just like laying on the ground? It's on the ground between okay. two in, in between two stalls in All the right. bathroom. Yeah. Someone I, mean, I, I, I someone had read it uh-huh. and then instead of throwing it away, placed it on the ground between two stalls and left it there. Maybe they dropped it there. Maybe they dropped it and it was like, well, it's touched a bathroom floor. I'm um, not touching this. See, you're finding a way out for this person, and I, I hope that's the thing. I hope that people aren't sharing the sports section of the newspaper oh, underneath what? stalls, which is my no. the first idea that I came into my head and thought, no fucking way. Oh, that's... No, I'm more disturbed by the fact someone's reading a newspaper in 2018. That was something else, I thought. Because uh, it's common practice, at least back in the day, like, if you read a newspaper and you're done with it, instead of throwing it away, you just leave it somewhere for someone else to, like, look at a page. It's like, hey, look, have you seen the sports section yet? Have you seen like the business section yet and i work in a place uh that's uh also sells like insurance and stuff and a lot of people are have been working there for 20 30 years so they're definitely of an older garb that would still read newspapers and i'm thinking oh my god is someone is is this just etiquette and i didn't know about it because it's also so my company shares a building with another practice which is equally old like they also have a bunch of people who are again, like 30 years into their career at the same place. And there's that overlap. So I'm wondering, is this other company just got a whole bunch of people that's like, you know what? We have this thing. I bring the sports paper into the bathroom. I put it between the stalls and I'm done. And if, you know, Jake comes in, Jake gets to read the sports paper. Gross. See, that, and it, the narrative in my mind was that, and I was thinking, that is disgusting. I, that How are you? It's be. on the floor, I, for crying out loud. I, that cannot be. I will not let that it can't, be. Someone must have... But it was too well played. That's the thing. If it was casually dropped, I think it would be more skew and more like it was in a place between the stalls that led me to believe but that I, it was there for someone else to it, find. If you drop it, you may, maybe you take your foot and shift it over, so it's between. So you have plausible deniability that you weren't the one that dropped a paper, a newspaper on a, on a bathroom floor. I hope so. If I see it again, I'm, if I see it again, oh, that yeah, then there's a problem. Then, then there's, there's a, a situation. A then, then, well, then I know I have a monster for the yeah. bracket because I would say that's monster yeah. territory. There's like a group of people sharing uh, stall floor Ugh. newspapers, also super that's... sports fans, and it's like, what's going on? Ugh, that's so awful. That's I. Uh... Reminder: In the high holiday times, monsters are everywhere. I just, I don't like I don't like reading like paper in a bathroom. Like like, uh, read your phone. That's what phones are for. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you you can clean a phone. Like. You're not cleaning like a like a newspaper or a book or paper like that's not that's not a thing. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean you could disinfect a phone quickly, spray spray, wipe wipe, done. Yeah. Newer phones are completely waterproof. You could submerge it if you want. Books, uh, super porous paper. Yeah. Like yeah, you just uh, all kinds of it. it's just a surface yeah. for bacteria. Yeah, that's no, not good. It's not good. I don't like it. I, I will like keep an, an eye on this. I hope you're right, Brad. 
misplaced trash. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm... Ugh, Alex. Ah, you mean you started looking for a new job already? <laughs> well, again, share the building with another place that rent... Like, another firm uh, that rents from the building from us. So it could be them. It could be them. It may not be us. Who knows? I, I'm just going to say, I, I I don't see... No, no one in the banker life is pulling that nonsense. I hope not. Trust. Uh, did you know that Ram Jack could hear the scratching of her fingernails on the casket lid? Brad, I have a bit of movie news, oh. um, but I don't know whether you want to tell us about your movie life before this. Oh no, Alex! Please bring us the movie news. Um, so I don't know if you guys know that. Does Does everyone remember what DDR means or what DDR is? Um. Brad, help, help the audience I, at home that's mute and can't talk to me right now because they would be crazy <laughs> if they tried to talk to the radio. And that it was a be. trap. Nice, Always nice keeping you on your toes. Brad, do you know what DDR means? It's a... No, that's it sounds familiar. What? Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Had a moment. Everyone loved it. It was in the arcades. It's having its moment again. Well, it already did. Um... No, well, it... See, in popular culture, Brad, people sometimes have moments. They have a moment, it comes to popularity, it kind of dies down. You can have a second moment, and that's what's happening with DDR. Let me explain. Um, for one, Netflix brought out an original movie uh, based on a, a young adult novel called Kissing Booth. Not a great film. Um, and DDR I take, it is, is part of a friendship uh, mechanic between a boy and a girl. Strictly platonic. Mm-hmm. Featured heavily in it. So there's one thing there. But the big thing is that um, DDR has been officially optioned as a project for Hollywood to turn into a franchise. It's already a franchise that already exists. Let me read you. Because uh, Variety reported on this. And here's the pitch for the DDR brand new franchise. The project will explore a world on the brink of destruction where the only hope is to unite through the universal language of dance. Um, it's already, um, the sequel is already, like, about to come out. Of, what are you talking about? This is I'm the official. The I'm talking about the FP. I'm sorry. This is the official DDR uh, film shit. franchise. FP2 Beats of Rage, um, oh, apparently came out September 22nd. What? It's out? DDR is having a second moment. Um, moment number fuck two. This non non Jason Tross DDR movie. So the original Are there any F- ducks in that movie? Are there <laughs> any ducks in that movie? I the don't sequel. Care. I watched the trailer because as soon as I read that, my first thought was the FP did this in 2011. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about, DDR? Yeah, and the FP two did it again like a couple of weeks ago. Like, where can they, like, why would you choose to do the FP again with a higher production? Like, you're just, no, that movie already exists. Do a different movie, DDR. Like, you can have your moment again if you want, but don't make it FP unless you're going to pay that. Like, there's a lawsuit here, right? Easily, there's a lawsuit. Should be. Because your movie's not better than the FP. Can't be. What if it's just the F, what if they buy the FP and then just repackage it as DDR, the movie? They just pick it up. It's easier. Sure. Movie trends. DDR is back. It's, it's never gone. It's I will, never we will, gone. We will keep you abreast of any lawsuits or litigation that happens as a result. Brad, you went to the movies recently. I did. I thought I was going to get to go to the movies a couple of times because I had a three-day weekend because I live in a banker life where... Um, <laughs> 
I was off work for uh, Columbus Day for as long as that stupid holiday still exists. Um, yeah, I forgot it existed. Yeah, well, it does for bankers. Not for anyone else, really. No one else gets off for Columbus Day. Just me. Um, but uh, I made it to Venom. Made it to Venom. Nice. It's fine. It's better than I thought it would be. How does fine rate on your scale? It's a fun ride. It's fun, a fun ride. ride. Okay, just making yeah. sure that fun ride. I wasn't sure if you were interjecting a new no, no, no. level, new tier. No, it's a fun. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's a Venom movie. It's like a buddy cop movie with Venom. Oh, see, that makes me more excited to see it. Yeah. Because I'm assuming Eddie Brock and Venom are that buddy cop. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. They are buddy around. cop. They're trying. They're trying to um, catch the the guy that's got another symbiote in him, and he's a bad guy that's gonna bring all the symbiotes to kill all the people. Carnage? Oh no no no! Not Carnage yet. Um, we got Riot was the main villain in this one, um, but there's a bunch of other symbiotes in the lab. But uh, post credit scene, Alex. Post credit scene. I'm gonna go ahead and spoil Venom because <gasps> who cares? Um, well, I'll, there's two post credit scenes, um, and uh, Jonathan pointed out on Twitter earlier that. Um, I think it was Kotaku, or maybe it was, I don't know, there was some It was IO9. It was IO9, okay, there was, there was suggesting that the two post-credit scenes make, are worth seeing them, worth it to see the movie alone, and I was like, no, that's dumb. (laughs) Um, because the first post-credit scene, um, Eddie Brock goes to interview, uh, interview somebody in the prison, and who is it but Little Orphan Annie, I mean, I'm sorry, I meant Woody Harrelson wearing a curly red wig. What? Yeah, and he's gonna be Carnage, so. Uh, but he's wearing okay. the dumbest wig. Like, my dream of dreams is for this movie to get canceled, and, like, are, are even better if they make the movie, but Woody Harrelson drops out. Um, and they just have somebody else, but with the exact same stupid wig. <laughs> like, they get Paul Giamatti <laughs> to wear the same curly red wig. That would be pretty sweet. Because <laughs> it looks fucking ridiculous. It looks so goddamn stupid. It's the dumbest looking wig. Like, what? So do we do? We need an accurately uh, curly red hair for for the guy that turns into Carnage. Like, did anybody remember what the guy that played the guy that turned into Carnage looks like? I forgot that Carnage had a guy like it was a symbiote. Like it makes sense because of Spider-Man symbiote suit and Venom. To yeah. me, Carnage was always. I don't even remember seeing the guy who is in Carnage. I, like, if I remember correctly, it's like he's like he's like a serial killer that has cancer. Like, okay. that's. The, but I didn't remember that like he had red hair. Um, his name's like uh, Cletus something. Uh, Spider Man did some. Cassidy. Spider Man did some weird shit in the nineties with the symbiote stuff. Yeah, it got real like, out of control real there was fast. Like the Clone Wars of Spider Man, which was strange. I like the Spider Verse stuff they're doing now because it's just like fun multiverse. But it's very Spider Man likes to take things to extremes. I understand. Um, yeah, thing, I'm looking Spider-Man. at I'm, I'm looking at comic book photos. He's got red hair. But it's not curly like it is in the movie, so that makes it an even weirder decision. That, but curly hair, big red curly hair means you won't miss it. So all the comic book people will immediately be like, there's no confusion that redheaded guy has to be Carnage, a.k.a. Cletus is what you said his name was? Yeah, Cletus Cassidy. It is the stupidest looking wig like ever. I des- I des- I would give anything for Woody Harrelson to drop out. Of- First of all, I'm not, I'm not really buying the fact that the second movie is going to happen. But the, Venom did really well in the box office apparently. Really? Not like well, I mean it did better. It, it apparently had a bigger opening weekend than 
the Thor, the first two Thor movies, which fair enough, and another Bullshit. one of the other Marvel movies. I, that's morally wrong. It is, because um, I haven't even seen Venom, and I can like no. <laughs> I've heard that it kind of like harkens back to early '90s superhero movies. That like it's not very. I mean, like you said, it's a fun ride, but it's not great. I, it, I it's it's whatever. Is the second it's... post secret scene uh, post uh, movie scene where we see like a montage of Cletus getting like his hair done so that it's not super crazy curly, it's like normal back to the comic books, and then then it's like no for real guys, this is Carnage. In case you were confused with the first one, uh, no, no, the second okay. post credit opportunity. Se- <laughs> second post credit sequence is like twenty five minutes. It feels like of like the new animated Spider Man movie. Oh, it, it's the animated Spider Man movie. Yeah, usually it, it is crazy long. I watched like a couple of minutes and I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here before I have a seizure because I can't look at this. It hurts. Did you get that link? Yeah, I don't understand why this this. Seen that hair? You seen that wig? Yeah, it's super weird. You like the little wig? I don't know. The sun will come out for carnage. <laughs> that your bottom dollar that tomorrow. I I I do like the idea of buddy cop because Venom because I think that works better. <sighs> I know, it, like it was, it was fine. It was it, again, it was much. I thought it was going to be absolutely fucking. I thought it was going to be hilariously terrible, um, but it was just fine. So I, I don't know. It was, it was fine. Um, Jenny Slate had a lot more screen time before hmm. getting killed off than I expected. Oh, so good for her playing thankless roles in movies, <laughs> as she does. Nice, but yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. I, I, there was a, there was like a half, half of the movie that I was like, I was pretty sure they had done massive reshoots, and I was like, oh no, they didn't. This is just a weird movie. Okay, because I, I was thinking that maybe they had decided not to kill off the, the girlfriend character, um, but then I was like, oh no, no, this is just a, this is just a badly written movie. Okay, I thought they had maybe made a last minute decision to change the movie altogether. Oh, okay, because. I, like, at least I got the feeling from the tra- the original Venom trailers that it was a situation where Eddie Brock was, like, in some sort of terrible accident, and then, like, he gets, like, a Venom introduced to him because as, as, somebody's doing an experiment on him. But that's not what happens at all in this movie. You were thinking it was RoboCop, but with Venom. <laughs> yeah, because that's how the trailer sold it. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go back and look at that trailer, because I want to see, like, oh, did, did how much of this movie did they change? Because... I don't know. This is not the movie that I saw. I, I was I, the trailer offered a very different movie, plot-wise, which is a strange thing to change. It's a uh, yeah, it's a gotcha thing. You think you're seeing this movie? No. Nope. <laughs> no, we're just gonna we're gonna see a thing where uh, something else happens altogether, and then Venom eats a lot of tater tots. I it's it's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. I'm still kind of not getting past the fact that they fight another symbiote, like. Yeah. Riot, like that's weird, and then to set up in the sequel that oh we're gonna just this is just basically symbiotes fighting symbiotes. Yeah, well, where does Peter yeah, Parker even factor in? Oh, I mean they they and weirdly they 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 fucking mentioned like um um J Jonah Jameson's son that was like the um the astronaut. He's mm-hmm. like they like there's like a mention of him like he gets killed off like immediately. Um, but I'm like, Whoa. They, they definitely are like uh, Jameson. Like they're, uh, it's like Jay Jameson, like the third, I think you is like on it. You, they clearly make note that it's Jameson. And I'm like, well, so are we doing that? Is So is he going to come back as a werewolf now? 
Ooh. Wasn't that his thing? He was a werewolf? Honestly don't remember. The the Spider-Man like larger canon, I only know the the brush strokes of huh. the Clone Wars or Clone Saga, whatever. Spider-Verse is the new thing. God, the symbiote that, era. I don't Yeah. And that oh god, that fucking that new animated Spider-Man shit. Fucking hell. You can't handle animation, man. I think Dude, it looks kinda cool. This is and this is like peak cannot handle it. Like I like I'm like fuck. I I don't think I will survive. I would like I made it through a few minutes, and it just kept going. And I was like, I have to get out of this fucking theater. I have to get out of here. I'm going to pass out if I have to keep looking at this. It is so extreme. Like I don't under like I mean I get that I have a thing, whatever the thing is that affects me about animation, but this I felt was so overpowering that I'm like, I don't see how other people aren't, aren't feeling some way weird about this. Because, hmm. oh, god damn. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was morally wrong what they made me look at. Was Venom featured in it? Or was it just, you no, know no, what, no. we're just going to show a whole bunch of this other so, Spider-Man like, at the end of the at the end of the movie, um, you know, you've, ha- you've seen little orphan uh, Woody Harrelson, and mm-hmm. then... Then, then you know, they play some credits, and then it goes to somewhere in a different universe. Is the, like, what? So, hey, now we're watching twenty minutes of a different movie in a different universe. Okay. Um. Thanks. Maybe I guess. I, why? 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 Just to give me a seizure? Is that what's happened? Like, what are you doing? Also, your Venom universe isn't connected to a Spider-Man, so. Already, like, all of this is very weird. If it was connected, like mentioning Jonah Jameson, I wish that they would take all the characters from Spider-Man Homecoming and just put them in the background, like, just casually. Just like you see them walking down the street, but very clearly, like, in the background, not interacting with Venom's world at all. Just like, eh, it's having to be strange. around. Like, I, don't, I don't understand the legality of how it works anymore. Like, it seems very confusing to me. Because, like, now that there is, like, so... Can't they just have like a universe where they have like, um, like uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man? Couldn't they just have oh, that be their universe? Why don't they just do that? I don't, I don't get know. it. I don't get any of it. It's very confusing. Like Marvel, you bought Fox, buy Sony, <laughs> or Disney, yeah, just buy Sony and fix this. <sighs> I mean, I don't. I, listen, these things are big enough. Stop <sighs> buying everything. It could be bigger. Like I. No. no, I'm kidding. They shouldn't be bigger. It's too big. It's too. These are fucking monopolies that need to be destroyed. Like it's not healthy. Like it's great for for dumb blow up movies, but like I don't know. Like the finer minutia of like owning certain types of movies may. Yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. We can make another movie where a bunch of things blow up. Cool. Nice. Um, glad you can do that. But like you're destroying the world, so. Uh, maybe we just have less movies where everything blows up. Like, it's a small price to pay. Maybe less movies. <laughs> I mean... Hey, maybe less movies. Maybe less movies. Just make really great quality films, but maybe only like... What do you need? Tw- how many would you need to make? A 12 a year? Every studio gets one movie a month, and that's it. Choose wisely. I... It's... I... Mm. I mean, it's it's already that though. Every like all movie, everyone just makes the giant movies now. We just have a couple of giant movies. Like they're just too big. The movies are too big. We need to fucking have limits on movie spending. We need we need limits on on campaign donations and the movie budgets. I interesting. 
Brad is advocating legislation that limits movie budgets. Yeah, make your movie smaller. Like, I'm sorry. We no, I'm sorry. The, everything can't blow up every time. You can't 9-11 the world every fucking month. You could consider that an act of terrorism. If I'm seeing a 9-11 every month at the movie theater, that keeps that in my mind. It either... It might desensitize me to it, so I'm prepared when it happens again. Or I might be living in constant fear because you're continually putting it in my face every month. Guys, stop. Stop blowing up everything. Like, make a different movie. Surely Venom didn't have a 9-11 in it. It's too small scale. Unless Riot, like, really just went crazy. Yeah, no, he didn't have a 9-11, no. Because they were mostly, I mean, all the money, I think, went into making Venoms. I mean, they exploded a spaceship, but uh, a couple of spaceships, so there's that's that. That's not a 9-11, though. But that's it's not a spaceship. No. Was it in space they exploded? Uh, one of them was. Off-planet. One of them was not as scary. Not as scary. <laughs> Brad, mm-hmm. I, this is just an idea to throw out. Okay. We are jam-packed. Like, we are booked as far as, like, what we watch on the show. Mm-hmm. As far as themes are concerned, up until ah, January. Sure. Um, after that, who knows what we're going to do. It's all up in the air. All, all up, in, up the in the air. Let me nominate um, a show near and dear to our hearts in the past, but I need you to remind me of whether or not we covered this show. Because I think we kind of covered it, and my question to you, is it worth going back and covering in full? Hmm. And I'm talking about Kid Nation, Brad. Oh, greatest fucking show. Um, Alex, we didn't cover it on the podcast because it was on the air before we had a podcast. We've got to watch this show. It's in its entirety. Someone has archived it on YouTube. Oh. And Joey and I have watched a few episodes and it is amazing. It was the best fucking show. So recently, uh, a podcast uh, from the website Jezebel called The Dirt had two of the kids on from Kid Nation on, and they're like in their 20s now, and they were talking about like behind the scenes stuff. One, about how all the, like a lot of the kids used uh, expletives all the time, and that some of the like on-site producers would have to tell them like, hey, you know what? Like most of the conversations you guys have had this morning, we're going to have to like bleep a lot of it, and trying to guilt them saying things like, you know, your, your grandparents might see this. Are you sure you want to talk like that? And a way to kind of get it more kid-friendly. But yeah, all these 13, like, 12-year-olds, 11-year-olds, just F this, F that, (laughs) everywhere, which is awesome. Like, I wish they, I want to see the unedited Kid Nation. Yeah. What do you mean I have to fucking cook? (laughs) There was also some neat stuff. Yeah. There was, like, another small town next to the town where the production company, like, did most of their work. And they'd bring kids out there for interviews. And that was the excuse to get the kids, or that was a, a way to get the kids properly fed. Because obviously these kids can't cook. Watching it now, uh, I'm thinking, holy, like, yeah, these kids would kill them. They would starve to death. But yeah, they would bring them, all right, let's go to this other town really quick, the small town. They had, a, a like, a code name for it. And while you're here, here's a craft service truck. You can get whatever you want. And that's how the kids would actually survive. But... They would sneak stuff, so they would get food and then save it, because I guess they didn't go get to go all the time. So every once in a while, some of the producers, and one guy, I guess, was a, they called him an asshole. Like, both guys were like, this guy's just an asshole. He would raid, supr- do surprise raids on the kids' bunks, and, like, contraband, get all of the snacks they had, like, hidden, that they had snuck on set. 
Fair, fair enough. Let the kids have fun. Yeah. Fuck off. Joey loves this show. Of course. It's the greatest show. <laughs> it's the best show. The first episode is just great. Uh, Joey's asking me questions. The second episode, Joey's like, so I think the second episode, and we didn't finish watching all of it, there's a big to-do about the kids uh, are prompted by this book of knowledge from the ancestors who originally ran this uh, ghost town into the ground. And it's kind of the way to, like, prod the kids to think of certain things. Like, hey, here's an idea. You guys don't really have a fresh or fresh supply of meat, other than eggs that you have in abundance from the chickens, the chicken coop. You know what would be really cool, though, what we did back in the olden times is that we, um, we would kill cattle and chickens. Thoughts, kids? And the, the kids, because they also have, like, their own counsel that was given to, at first, just given to them by the adults. Like, here's the smartest kids we think they could run this thing going, starting out. And the council talks about it. Like, do we need protein? Like, do we need to kill something? And one kid is all in. Yeah, we totally need to, yeah. We can't just go 40 days without protein. That's it. We need to have protein. So all the kids get together and talk about it. Like, yeah, we need to kill a chicken. We need to kill a chicken. Two chickens should be enough to feed a small town of chi- kids, right? We'll just kill two, lo- two of them. Kids. <laughs> There's Two of these little chickens aren't going to feed, like, ten of you. If that, uh, yeah. It's like, these kids have no idea. Like, and it's left... Joey's watching with his brow furrowed like are they gonna kill the chickens should they kill the chickens so it does provide that level for kids but you're thinking you kids are just dumb kids this is why the show was great <laughs> you can just tell them bullshit like and a lot all the kids arguments is well, we don't we need a protein we're gonna get we're gonna you know starve ourselves or ruin our growth if we don't get protein and of course again like as they're eating scrambled eggs for breakfast you're like kids you just don't know Brad is there a month ahead of us where we could watch Kid Nation Fuck in yes. the next year? Perfect. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I won't say any more about the show then. I will wait. But if you loved Kid Nation and you want to prepare for 2019 when Brad and I cover it, maybe listen to that podcast. The Dirt, Kid Nation it was, it was for a new good. year. <laughs> I keep merging Kid Nation and Uto- uh, Utopia in my mind only because of the theme song from Utopia. Utopia. That was the that was the adults go out into the wilderness and build their own town separated from the world. That didn't last very long because it was bullshit. Not a good show. I was gonna say, but can't like adults do that? Can't they just build their oh, own town? Totally. Like that's oh yeah, totally. That's, not that's a thing. What, the show didn't work because it had too high production values and was essentially in real time. Hmm. And plus, it just wasn't that. I mean, they they didn't. Yeah, I would much rather see Kid Nation season two. Yeah. God, it's a great show. Such a great show. Um, Brad, there's a there's a there's a show that Hulu. Well, I say a show. It's kind of more of like a an extended series. Um, they're going to be doing twelve full length films, but it may be a show after our hearts here on Ramjack. Okay, is it a show or is it films? I don't understand what you're saying. It's a series of films. It's twelve twelve films. films. One okay. one a month for the rest of the year, starting oh. this month all the way till. I guess if it's twelve a month, it would be um, September up till sep- next September. One one a month. One a month. Okay, not twelve a month. Um, yeah, it's a horror anthology. Okay. It's called Into the Dark. Um, let me just read now from the article on The Verge that talks about it. Hulu and the production and distribution company Bloomhouse will release a feature-length film, twelve in all 
tied to a seasonally appropriate holiday. Hmm. Okay. The premise is loose enough to allow Into the Dark's uh, rosters and uh, roster of writers and directors, giving them uh, room enough to tell whatever stories they want. They're, they're horror stories, but they're based on a holiday in every month starting in October until next September. Does it end on 9-11? <laughs> they, this, I don't know if we want to add this to our roster of things to cover, because every month there's going to be a horror movie based on a holiday during that month. Some of these are obvious holidays. I mean, you could do a few out of January, but it's going to be New Year's, right? I mean, unless they start going crazy. Valentine's Day will be the one in February. But what comes after, though? I mean, I guess St. Patrick's Day. But once we start getting a July, it would be July 4th. But there is a lull where I'm like, what holiday are they going to choose? What do you do in June? Hmm, June, June. Well, let's, let's look up some June holidays. What do you do in May? Uh, May Day, Cinco de Mayo, I guess. But in September, I think they're going to end it where we start it at the high holiday. Oh, Alex. Alex. Um, First of all, Flag Day, piece of cake. Um, Summer Solstice. um, Summer Solstice. Father's Day. See, okay, there's enough of those. I wish they do a horror movie on Father's Day. Or I really want one on Flag Day. How freaking awesome would a horror I mean, movie on. be based on Flag Day? Yeah. I don't know. Stupidest I, day. See, I don't know if it's going to be great or not, or if it's going to be any good. I don't know. I know I've heard of Bloomhouse, but I don't remember, know what else they've done. Um, they've off they've the top done, of my head. They've done the uh, they've done the purges. They did a Happy Death Day. Um, Interesting. They, so yeah, they're. Yeah. Who else would you get to do an like a movie anthology of yeah, I, holiday filmed movies than Bloomhouse? Yeah, who's yeah, made a name for themselves on creating a new fictional holiday, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also piggybacking on Groundhog's Day. It's true. Something to keep an eye on. Um, and what about July fifth, National Bikini Day? Bikini uh, into the dark, Bikini Day. <laughs> Our August 3rd, National Watermelon Day. Oh my god, it's Gallagher goes insane. That would be amazing. That would be great. And you questioned my misspeaking of 12 in a month. You could easily fit easily. 12 of these in a easily. month. Um, Room to spare. Yeah. Do two a month. I want to see that Gallagher watermelon movie. God, that would be great. Um, what about uh, Make a Difference Day? Into the darkness, make a difference day. What is make a difference day? Um, I don't know. It sounds like bullshit. It's October 27th, so uh, no one's ever heard of that. Um, election day, of course. Um, Great American Smoke Out Day. Ooh. Um, Into the uh, darkness, smoke out. Black Friday. Oh, there's one. That has to be one. You have to do Black Friday, November, Bloomhouse. Hulu's National- giving you the money. Do it. National Fruitcake Day. Um, huh. Come back up to January. Um, National Bird Day. Hmm. We haven't had a bird-themed horror movie in a while. It's time to bring it back. Yeah. Ash Wednesday. There's a horror Ooh. movie. That'd be good. That'd be good. Um. Damn, Ash Wednesday would be fucking... I mean, I can already think of things off of my head that are pretty neat. That would yeah. lend itself to that. Absolutely. Oh, Ides of March. Come on. So you, you think there's a, there's enough of a hook here? Like I oh, I'm yeah. sold. Like I I definitely they they started on October fifth, 
So the, the Halloween one is out, or at least the one for October, which I know is themed for Halloween. Is oh, I, now, up. it came out on October 5th. Why wasn't it World Smile Day? Hmm. Now, that I don't know. I guess if you're if you're starting out and you want to hit the the like major holidays, maybe year oh, two they do this. All right. But, nice. Uh, all right. Good. Good to see. And maybe I'll watch it and report. I'm not able to stream much these days, other than what we watch on Ramjack and some random other stuff. But um, something to keep an eye out. Uh, fellow lovers of holidays and horror movies, and this the high holiday time. I'm excited. It says here to look directly into the mirror. Then what? Then we just say it. You say it first. No, no, you you say it first. You're the oldest. Well, let's just say it at the same time. Ram Jack. Ram Jack. It's been a while since I've done a, done a book report, uh, main, mainly because I haven't. I mean, I have I haven't read anything that really has much to talk about on the podcast. Um, and I don't have much this time, but I, a little bit enough to recommend. Well, obviously, I have read the the Chapo Trap House book, which was a lot of fun, and I highly recommend. Um, if you listen to the podcast or not, it's it is a fun time. It's very enjoyable. I get get the book. Like get the actual physical book. It's it's good, um, but also um, I just finished uh, "Kill All Normies" um, by Angela Nagel, which is it's basically like it's like a short history of like the whole um, crazy alt right, like and how that all came to be and like where it coalesced and some of the ideas behind that. Oh. Um, like it's very terrifying. Um, and it's a real bummer. Um, so, if you're curious and just like getting a good footing in like where the hell all this shit came from and you know what's different about you know these people as opposed to you know crazy fucking asshole right wingers of you know that we're used to, um, it's a good catalog of that and it just kind of hmm. follows those where that came from and it's it's upsetting and disturbing and. Yeah, yeah. Just that whole Gamergate, alt-right, like, the the varying strata of that terrifying world, and how these fucking monsters just aren't... Like, they're just reactionary assholes, and I... It's... It's hugely depressing, but interesting, if you wanna, you know, get a look at that. A so. kind of... A kind of scary story for October in its own way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this so, one's real. Yeah, but it's it's certainly interesting. Um, yeah, but eesh. I mean, because we all know it, but like, just like to step out, you know, step away from it and kind of look at it objectively, like as a moment in history of these like weird online groups and where all this shit came from and what it's doing and who the hell these people are. It's yeah, Alex. If you want to, if you want to see some upsetting subculture. It's a, it's, a, it's a quick way to do it. It's a short book. I would say maybe to piggyback on this, um, I've been looking at Reddit a lot lately. I, I was kind of, I kind of didn't look at Reddit at all for a long time. I knew it existed, mm-hmm. mainly because the interface was just garbage. And there is a certain level as a UX designer and, I mean, a trained graphic designer and illustrator that couldn't bring me to look at something so ugly all the time, regardless of the content. 
I was just like, fuck this. Um, But they redesigned it, and the mobile version is actually much more digestible. And I noticed that a lot of memes that I look at and get entertainment from, for the most part, appear on Reddit first. So I was like, all right, I'll just start looking at Reddit. But looking at the unedited, like, because the whole concept of these things is that people can submit whatever they want, and you can upvote it or downvote it. Yeah. And if you look at the unfiltered stuff that's fresh, quote-unquote, that has not gone through the filter of popularity... There are some alt-right stuff that appears every once in a while. That is disturbing. Like, just straight up advocating for some crazy shit. I saw something an insult put up and was like, how does this have a thousand votes? Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I don't know if we would... Would you include insoles in oh, yeah. alt-right? I, I, I yeah, guess yeah. so. I don't want to speak for all insoles, but insoles, I think, could... You couldn't be an insult and not be an alt-right stop crazy person. Stop saying Stop saying insult, first of all. What's it? What is um, it for real? It's in, an incel? Incel. Incel. Yeah, don't say insult. It sounds so weird. Sorry. <laughs> these insults. Insults. Stop it. No, these they incels. They do not rhyme with pencils. Uh, yeah. Incels are absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so, it, like, in the, what this book covers is just, like, so much of this stuff is just this weird, like, like... It's these these all these different strata of these groups that are just so angry at women and like, ugh. why does anyone want to be and angry at women? It doesn't make any it, sense. Oh, it's so it's so freaking insane because it's like because it's a it's just part of this like internet culture of just like these people that are that they don't care they they literally don't care about facts are humans are anything it's just they're 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 powered purely by spite and it's which you could argue that religion in general has operated that way for a long time because there's some parallels between blindly following something i mean separating the facts from reality and being like oh well we're gonna do this anyway but not not to the level these guys are at. Like, yeah, this is based also, on nothing but, like, human emotion of, like, a weird rate and misplaced anger. But the large majority of these people aren't religious either. Like, that's... Like, they... It's pretty much, like, one issue. They hate women. <laughs> like, it's so it, like, weird. Like, the Gamergate overlap is, like, 100%, obviously. Hate like, women that's... and also... I, is it more like hate independent... Or women who feel that they are more than property? Because incels definitely operate that women are objects. I mean, yeah. obviously, the, the whole concept is like, I mean, we should be able, well, okay, we don't have to go back into the incel thing again, but it is yeah, weird. Like, it is weird. And there's various levels of that, I'm sure. Yeah, and there's all these different, like, you know, like, you know, fa- fracturing groups, but they're all, they're kind of all coalesced or, uh, largely just around, like, crazy sexism and just, uh, it's it's but it's all just reactionary and that's what i think is interesting about the book is kind of the thesis is that none of these none of these groups like have anything they personally care about they don't they don't have like philosophy they they are fans of trump because trump's a bastard and the things everyone hates about trump is why they like trump is because people hate trump like that's that's the feature they like the best is that people hate him like so weird yeah like so this weird it's fucking crazy it's an interesting book it's a fascinating book if you want to if you want to take a deep dive into into this uh, jump in but yeah it's kind of a bummer and it makes me real sad about humanity what's the name of it one more time it's kill all normies by uh by uh 
Angela Nagel. Kill all normies. Online culture wars from 4chan and Tumblr to Trump and the alt-right by Angela Nagel. Oh, if you're a Prime user... Oh, no, never mind. Amazon is showing me that I can get this book for free, but it's a lie. Hmm. Um, on Amazon, there is a coupon for this presently. A coupon? What? There's a $1.22 coupon, digital coupon, for cool. the book if you buy it in paperback. It might apply for all of them. And if I'm a coupon fairy, can I sneak into your home and steal your coupon? I'm walking by your window. I see your browser window. There's a coupon there. Let me t- let me log in and clip it. I'm just listen. Otherwise, it's just gonna go to waste. I'm just gonna clip your. I'm just gonna sneak into your home, go up to your monitor, and just clip that coupon out. Get away from my monitor. I'm just gonna cut the little coupon out of your monitor. Get out of your fairy. I'm a fairy. I'm just gonna climb into your climb into your home and cut off a piece of your monitor. That's when you put a circle of salt around your house. I'm assuming it works the same as witches. I'm not sure oh. what fairy thing is. Like. I am part slug. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> of course they would be part slug. <laughs> Brad, if, if if I can get into some book reports. Okay. Um, so we went to uh, the bookstore the other day with my daughter. She's tiny. She's she's actually really starting to get into books. Nice. Um, we'll sit down and look through them. And I read as much as I can, but sometimes I just obviously paraphrase. She doesn't know how to read yet. But we're training her, and she's... She's, she loves it. She loves looking through books. Um, so we went, we got her some books, but there's some books we didn't get, but I thought were interesting um, finds, and we may go back and get. One of them is a book called The Sloth That Slowed Us Down. Adorable book. Love the illustrations in it. The concept is they got a pet sloth, and they were like, you can't do anything with this. It's a sloth. But the concept of it moving slow through life helped them appreciate things more. Since at the end of the book, their sloth is a loving member of their family. Absolutely adorable. Thought it was very Ramjack-centric with Cedric. who will He's working his way up to the mic. Don't worry about it. He'll be here in a couple nice. of hours. Um, another book was the kid's version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Hmm. Buffy and it looks like Willow and is Xander the guy? Mm-hmm. They're kids. Like, kids. <laughs> All right. And they're Buffy vampire slang. At one point uh, at the book, they, like, open a closet, and essentially a cavalcade of villains from Buffy the Vampire Slayer are all there, like, hiding and smiling. But then you think back to Buffy the Vampire and Sl- Slayer and think, these things would murder children. Like, they're all in this closet? Okay. It's very strange. If you're a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan... Look into it, I guess. But the book that we didn't get that really just jumped off the shelf at me was a book. It's a Star Wars book. It's called Are You Scared, Darth Vader? It starts out, we have a very Nosferatu character whose skin's green, not white. And he's talking to Lord Vader on a planet that looks kind of like Dagobah. Vader's got his arms crossed and the Nosferatu says, Vader, I'm a monster. Are you scared? And Vader's like, no, I'm not scared of you. I got the Force on my side. Also, I'm a Sith Lord, and I've got a lightsaber. I could cut you down where you stand. Now, he doesn't say all this. I'm paraphrasing, but Vader's essentially, no, I'm not scared. So more monsters start coming out of the woodwork, and Vader's like, of course I'm not scared. I'm Darth fucking Vader. And this reaches uh, a climax. 
where all these monsters come out, it's kind of spooky scary, and they say, okay, Vader, guess what? And all the monsters take off their masks and they're kids. And they say, are you scared now, Lord Vader? And Vader's like, what? Kids? And the kids kind of jump all over him or like, rawr, like scaring him. And he's like, kids, get off of me. They're like, are you scared yet? No, I'm not scared. And he keeps getting angrier and angrier. Brad, knowing what happens in the third Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith, how do you think this book ends? <laughs> Just from what I've told you. I mean, I don't think it ends well. Like, why aren't these kids scared of Darth Vader? They're not, yeah, they're not scared of him. They're, they're like playing with him because he's like a curmudgeon like grandpa or uncle. Like, I'm not scared of nothing. And they start playing with him. At one point, a kid like kidnaps his lightsaber and is running with it just like wildly. It's just like kids overpowering Darth Vader with their cuteness. Okay, okay first of all, they, they stole his lightsaber. They didn't kidnap his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you read the canon, I, I think some of the, uh, what, are the what are they called? It's not an Imkron crystal. That's Star Trek, I think. No, that's a Dilithium no, crystal. That's X-Men. I'm getting my fandom completely <laughs> I fucked like, up. I know what that is. What is that? Tell? Whatever. The Kyber crystals. Whatever those are. I mean, they don't have souls or thing like that. You're right. They didn't kidnap his lightsaber. I don't know why. No, I said they that. did not. <laughs> I, oh no! Person. The the ins the insoles stole the the insoles kidnapped my lightsaber. What? I'm just upset that I can't be a Jedi and I've never actually held a lightsaber. Okay. I don't know what happens at the end of the book because I didn't flip through the end of it because obviously my small child is tiny and when in a right. bookstore there's only so much time. But I'm imagining it not going very oh, well. Just cut all those kids in half, yeah. Just threw them into the lake of fire. I mean, in the third Star Wars movie, he asks the younglings if they're alone. He lights his lightsaber up and these younglings are like, what's going on? Kids, you've seen the third movie. Maybe you didn't, and that's okay, because it's a prequel movie. Yeah, no, but, no one needs to see those movies. Let's not, let's pretend they didn't happen. But these kids potentially die at the end of this book. I don't know. I haven't seen the end of it yet. I haven't flipped through the back pages because they didn't see the prequels. Maybe that's what the whole point of this book is. Some crazy Star Wars fans like, you know what? I'm gonna Kids don't respect the prequels enough. I'm going to write a book about it, and all the kids die at the end. It's a big horror story. You know what the lesson is? You should have watched the prequels. You should have seen what he was capable of. Didn't you see... Uh, Rogue One. He gutted that guy on the ceiling with a force, kids. Don't uh, test Darth Vader. Especially in Halloween on Dagobah. Super weird book. Like, it's a real weird book. I, like, I see all these, like, little, these kid, like, Star Wars books that always look real cute, and I'm like, this is still a movie about, like, wars and, like, killing people and, like, monsters and, like, I, I know kids love Star Wars, but, like, what is it? It's very... When you talk about, like, kids jumping on Darth Vader, I'm like, what? Who is this for? They're palling around with him. They're this wrestling with Uncle Darth. He is not your friend, kids. <laughs> like, these, there's so many books that are that are written to sell to parents. But, oh. like, it's Star Wars, so I'll, I'll get it for my kid. Your kid doesn't know what it is, because if your kid knew what Star Wars was and liked Star Wars, they wouldn't like these books. And they're never going to like Star Wars now because their relationship to Star Wars is through these weird books where kids, like, like play with curmudgeonly Darth Vader. Can you imagine being a tiny kid, reading this book, loving it? I'm assuming they just, like, he eventually says something like he's scared or, like, maybe a kid scares him and they're like, ha-ha. But then watching Darth Vader kill all these people and thinking, what the fuck? Yeah, it would be very, I think it would be but very weird. Part of me also comes at the other side for Darth Vader. He killed all those children, like murdered children, 
And then he started, you know, he was in the dark side pretty heavy, and then he started to come back to the light side. Is this like a post-traumatic stress for him? He's like, ah, oh, fuck, I, it takes him right back to the one moment he doesn't want to remember because he killed people because he was being a monster. He's trying to go back to the light side, and he just can't. So, of course, this would scare him. It's a trigger moment for him in his past. What the fuck is up with this bonk? It's a very strange I don't book. get it. Yeah, did I, I did I mention there's a back? I think I mentioned it on an earlier show. There's a Back to the Future kids picture book too. Again, okay, all the weirdness aside from it or kookiness, the illustrations are beautiful. Like I wanted to buy it just because I really love the illustrations in these things. But there's a Back to the Future book, and you have to ask yourself: Is the part where uh, Marty's mother hits on him part of the kids book? I doubt it. But that's a very big part of why I. There, there's certain things you can't get around in Back to the Future. Is there a scene where Doc gets run down by terrorists? <laughs> How do you adapt this for a children's book? Are the Libyans still the bad guys? I don't know. who Do they Do they edit that? I don't know. I haven't looked it through. I just felt... What I flipped through, some of the stuff looked pretty great. Of course, you still got skateboards. You got a back under the sea enchantment dance, but the pages I didn't see, the in-between parts that I let me go to the bookstore. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Please do. Takes to the calmest ramjet. It's been waiting for you. Um, there's a podcast I listen to on occasion that can be pretty great. It's okay. it's uh it's called 99% Invisible. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun, interesting uh stuff they talk about. Um They've taken a break from the main show and are producing a mini-series within the larger podcast. So it's a podcasting network podcast, I guess, now. It's called um, Articles of Interest, and they do episodes on clothing and their history, which I think dovetails right into our Fashion Forward, our Best Dress, Worst Dress segments on the show. And they did one recently on pockets. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, In the history, I guess, of the modern pocket, which is pretty fascinating. I recommend listening to it, but to summarize, pockets are pretty fucking crazy. So, <laughs> guys, there's this crazy thing out there. It's called a pocket. So, before the neoclassical times, mm-hmm. like right before then, and past the olden times, in that sweet spot. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, pockets were common. All right. So we're 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 like now. Listen, are we post Cromwell? Are we? Is this like English Restoration 1660s? What are we talking about? They didn't give specific dates as far as I remember, but they were talking about how uh, back in the modern, like in the early modern era, before the neoclassical period, so you're thinking, okay, fair enough. Pockets were common across both genders. People realized that, hey, you need to carry shit around with you, and pockets are a pretty great thing because they're close to the body, they're hidden, and... For women in particular, they were super common. You would basically just wear trousers underneath your dress or an elaborate kind of, like, short thing under your dress that had pockets in it. And there were slits cut into your dress that you could just easily just go into and get to your pockets because everyone needs to carry stuff around. It's a common need. Hmm. It wasn't until the neoclassical period where the concept of not having pockets means you must be well-to-do because you don't need to carry things around. That women in particular, their fashion started to eliminate the pocket. Um, so their dresses no longer had slits in them. Yeah. Um, they started to carry around a little purse if they needed to carry stuff, which is something that wasn't common, but it was supposed to be a really ornate, 
decorative purse that you could barely carry anything in, and they called it I th something along the lines of ridiculous. It isn't. I think it was a, a reticulous or something. I can't remember what it's pronounced, but it was a word that was Don't supposed to mean be ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's called that's ridiculous. What could you possibly carry in that tiny purse? But that was the point. I make so much money, I'm so well off, I don't have to carry things around with me. And if I do, it's this frivolous little pocket thing that doesn't really carry much at all. I'm rich. Fawn over me. Sure, sure, sure. Well, well, before that, rich people still had, like, ornate pockets to show up the people who were poor, but they just had elaborate pocket garments underneath their dresses or even their pants that were like, ooh, check this pocket out. And it would have, like, a neat fabric in it, or it would have, like... I guess, neat web work, which is a weird thing to say. I, all that to get to the modern era, past the neoclassical period. Once that hits, all the classes eventually kind of try to phase out the pocket, which is stupid, especially in women's clothes. But at the right. same time during the neoclassical period, as we know for the neoclassical period, men's clothing were just crazy. We know, and I know and love the scarves, like the super scarves, all the time, scarves on scarves on scarves. But the typical suit had around 70 buttons associated with it. Mm -hmm. Vest, jacket, pants, everywhere in between. How many pockets do you think it had? And before, like, don't even ask. Brad, let me ask a bigger, broader question. How many pockets is too many pockets? Like, what's a, what's, the, what's a good pocket number you think an average person needs on their body? I mean, needs, okay, needs is a different question. I think needs, you need three pockets. You need three pockets. Every person needs three pockets. Three pockets, definitely. You need three pockets. What kind of pockets? Are you going to specify like back pockets, front pockets, I, I, well, pockets, I need, pocket I need one front pocket. I need a pocket for my phone. Okay. So front. Um, I need I need a pocket for um, wallets and keys, preferably separate pockets, but in a pinch they can go together. So that's three pockets that's that's what i need three pockets max <laughs> that's what you need well, how many minimum how many would you want i mean i i i think i'm 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 fine with three uh you know what if we want to move it up to to five okay i'm fine i, I never use a, a back pants pocket because it's incredibly impractical like you're never gonna sit on something like that's insane like no the only thing i put in my back pants pocket is maybe a receipt I need to save later, a piece of paper, something that is flat enough that if I sit on it, it's fine. Right. My work badge I keep in my back pocket because um, the tether that I used to wear on my belt broke. So it is also good, and it's flat. Like, it's not going to damage it to be in my back pocket. But everything else, yeah, you got to use your front pockets or your front shirt yeah. pocket. Duh. We've yeah. arrived at this. But in the neoclassical period, Brad, people had no idea how many pockets was too many. The concept oh. of having five was laughable. The average suit had 26 pockets. What? What do you keep in all of these pockets? Women can't have pockets that they have to carry around that ridiculous little purse. Men, you need 26 pockets. What the fuck are you carrying in 26 pockets? How can you even have a mental library of the you 26 things you put in your pocket? Because you don't have you don't have headphones. You don't have phones. No. You don't have a charger. Like, what are you carrying? You're carrying what? A pencil? Like a, a a quill pen? You say charger? Like just even a ba an extra battery? Like quill pens can't fit in a pocket from a suit back then. Twenty six pockets? Are you uh, kidding me? What are you gonna carry? What are you carrying? What are you carrying? Like, 
And these are body pockets. Like I carry around a backpack to work or a bag because I have things at work I need to have, like my computer, yeah. uh, various other things, the chargers and cables. But just like on me in a suit, I don't need twenty six yeah, pockets. What are you carrying? And I mean, and let's and also look. You aren't washing clothes very often because that's an ordeal. Like, so it's like, what are you, what are you carrying? What do you have? They don't go into they don't go into detail here. But I wonder, was part of it for theft? People were worried they might get like held up like hey give me all your money and there was just no way they could go through 26 pockets without someone stopping you, them and being like hey yeah. is that guy holding you up or is that person well, trying a couple to get of those pockets are for booby traps yeah booby trap <laughs> for the pickpockets i have my pockets that keep my stuff in it but then i have the trap pockets now i just have to remember make sure i i have the pocket with the key to my pockets so i know which ones are my re- useful pockets and which ones are my booby trap pockets otherwise the mouse trap will fall on my hand I put a mousetrap in my suit pocket to keep out the riffraff. That's life in the neoclassical period. In Europe, <sighs> women have no pockets. Men have all the pockets for traps. What are you... I mean, what do you do? What do you... What do you have? I, dude, I have no idea. I... So, during this time, there was a guy who said, Okay, look. He was actually, like, a, a famous architect at the time and was very much starting to move toward modernism. And he said, Guys, this pocket nonsense has to stop here's my vision of society i think we should get rid of pockets whoa here's why i think we should get rid of pockets all together because we need to change society to allow us to never have to carry anything around because everything will be provided for us my vision of the future go with me men who have over 26 pockets and women who don't have enough pockets no pockets at all because we're going to remake society in the world to be a utopia where you don't have to have pockets. It starts with no pockets and it ends what with all your basic What are these things that they had needs. to carry with them? That's all I want to know. Back then, I don't know. Like a knife? Extra food? Like dried meat? I have no idea. How are you carrying food around in clothes that you never wash? I'm going to put all of my money in individual pockets? I don't know. My shitling right. goes here. <laughs> I don't... Paper money, depending on the bill value, goes in different places inside my vest. Pockets within pocket? What are they carrying around? That's what I want to know. It's neat to know the history of pockets and how we've gotten to where we are now, and that there was this insanity during the neoclassical period and before. But what the fuck did these people carry around with them? Trinkets? Good luck charms? I mean... Cards? The, um... The signet for you, for you to uh, um, seal the wax onto an envelope? What, what are we doing? Careful where you put that wax, because you have to put that in a front vest pocket, or you're going to sit on it and it could oh, get... Oh, it's my wax pocket, of course. Got my wax pocket, got my match pocket. Pockets. pockets. We've, come a, we've come a long way. People listen to podcasts. Podcasts don't listen to people. Right? Ramjack Podcast. I hear you. Brad, I know... I'm almost positive you've already heard about this because it's a little old at this point. But I'm curious to know how you would handle the situation if you were a parent okay. of this child. Bring it. I also ask this because as a parent, I have two kids I am shepherding through life. And this is a unique problem that I don't think I'll ever run into. But I want to know what you think. Okay. As you know, there was a two-year-old toddler who happened upon his parents' stash of $1,060 that they had set aside to buy season football tickets to the University of Utah. 
Um, what? Brad, these people are huge University of Utah fans. They have a two-year-old toddler. No big deal. They, in an envelope, had stashed in cash the $1,060 it's going to take to get season football tickets. And they were How gonna... much? How much for a person? Uh, there's a lot to break down already. Okay, okay, okay. But where, how much? Where... <laughs> season how, many fo- t- how many tickets is this? Season football tickets. So I think it's a one every game. How like many you... is that? That I don't know. You have to look it up. Emily's parents have uh, season football tickets to the uh, UC football. That's and I'm insane. assuming they paid a similar price, though. I... What? But they have tickets, I think, to literally every game this season. But I don't know how many season. I don't know how many games that is. But it's college okay, wait, wait. football. What? Uh, what? What team is this? University of Utah. University of Utah. Do they play in the final, like in the basketball? I don't know. I was gonna say the final five, but I don't remember March Madness. Oh, is this ba- and this is basketball. No, no, this is football. football. But I, I, I don't know if we've mit- if we've run into University of Utah before because of that. Because that's the only oh, other real sports okay. tie we have. All right. Um, is it the Shockers, the Utah Shockers, or is it the uh, Iowa people? I'm not going to tell you, Alex. Obviously, obviously, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. Is, jazz was football. Does it say how many? Oh my God! There's got to be prices. There's got to be an average. So, is 1,060? If you have it up, is that like the premium seating, or is that just basic? Look, I'm just getting um, a bleacher but, seat. Bring my own cushion. Uh, so, total season price. Um. Um, so for that, they're they're doing all right. Um, in the in the one thousand fifteen dollars, you you are in the one twelve to e six section. I it's very it's very I don't know what the hell I'm looking at here. It's green. It's in the green section. But which, it's not like the top tier, is it? Good? No, it's it's not in the top. It's below the top tier. The top tier I, top tier is um twelve hundred um. But then there's a scholarship box that is three thousand three hundred ninety-five. I'm but paying this, this is, much so money to help with a scholarship. This is just below. Um, oh well, no, sorry, sorry. This some of this is upper tier. So, some of this is upper tier. Never mind. Well, this is in the orange section. So this is this is the this is the lowest level of orange, which is the hi- highest tier next to the, after the scholarship box. So okay. it's the it's the it's the cheapest of the best. Nice. And I'm sorry, do these season tickets, do you get one every game, I'm assuming? You just have yeah, your assigned that is the seat? Yeah, that is the total season, yeah. And how many games are in a season? I guess that's the question. That's, that's, that's what we gotta find question. out. That's the big question. How many tickets is, how many tickets are, how, how many tickets, how many games, university... Of Utah. Can I just get a number? There's got to be a quick number. Can I, can I just get a number and just not like an average? Like just average don't, don't number. Don't show me a bunch of graphics about when and where and who and what. Maybe um, just look up average. Okay, okay, number. okay, okay. Okay. Um. Blah 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 blah. blah. There are no blah blah blah. blah. I got a lot of reading here. Um. Okay. Uh, here's the football schedule. I don't know what some of these things mean, but there's let's see. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Some of these are not home games. Some of them are other games. So I'm assuming you get your season tickets for just... I don't know. I don't know how football works. I do know... Okay, here the, there's... Okay, in Salt Lake City, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 
five, six, six. Pac-12 game. That's, I don't know. Um, you start getting into crazy like bowl territory yeah. close to the end too, which I don't know how that works. I'm assuming those, that's not part of the season tickets. Anyway. So at least six. At least six. At least six home games. A thousand dollars for six. That's For two stupid. seats, I'm that's, guessing? Also, these people, what's your lifestyle? Because you also have a two-year-old toddler. And if you that's have your money in an envelope. Child, say what? You have money in an envelope. That's insane. Well, we that, haven't okay. even talked about that yet. Well, you have paper. You have over... Listen, I, I get sometimes, like, especially when you're struggling with cash, if you can just, like, physically take cash and put it in an envelope and set it aside, it's easier to pretend you just don't have that money and you can put it away for whatever mm. you need to do. I get if you need to, but that also, you, you if you're doing that with more than $250, you're a lunatic. It's a thousand, $1,000. By the way, if there's only six, if there's only six games, you're still, you're spending a hundred and, you wait, 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 how much were the tickets again? Season tickets, 1060 60 176 dollars a game for college football guys for any kind of football you're watching a game for 176 do you there's so much you could do for 176 dollars what do you you, uh, you can't take a two-year-old to a full how when are you going to use these season tickets how can you are you leaving the and that's kid just with for like one parent, that's like just for one tickets that's for one ticket well i think it's season t- tickets wait are you saying that was for one ticket i assume the story seemed to say tickets, so if it's one thousand. No, 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 no. I mean, for yeah, it would be season tickets, but for one ticket. Huh. So, so that would be six tickets, six single tickets. No, so if you're both going. So obviously, I guess we need to take them down to so the lower prob- tier. They're 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 down to the lower. They're level. in the lower level. All right. So they they we've halved their budget because <laughs> it's technically rolled into this. Okay, so let me just uh, so. Where's the five hundred dollars? Okay, so there's two of this. It's still eighty-eight dollars a game a piece. Eighty-eight dollars a football game. People love their football, dude. It's a college. Fo- it's like a. It is essentially almost cult-like because it's crazy. Eight to watch a game. You still gotta like buy food and drinks if you wanna like do that. You gotta block like, out of the afternoon. Your you're whole just, season. That this is happening for these games are gone. Like, you can't do anything else to get your money's worth here. You've got to go to this game for three to four hours on the weekend, every fucking weekend. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. You're not bringing your toddler for not For not for not much more um, um, is what I pay for my season passes for Universal and Disney together. together. And I can go... I can go every day to each park, should I choose. And that's different, though, because that's the most magical place on Earth, Disney. Yeah. Universal and, also has horror And it's not nights. six times in a year. Yeah, it's a racket, dude. College football is super weird. I don't get it. Fucks. But we're not even at the crux of the problem, Brett. I just right. set everything up. This is pre I, I mean, I'm just saying already, these are the stupidest people. They set the money aside. Their toddler found it. The toddler has an obsession with the paper shredder. He shreds the money. That's what you get. That's what you get. So my parenting question, should the kid, what would you do as a parent if this happened to you? Let's just um, say that a crazy abstract. First of all, watch your child. Um, second of all, don't have money laying around in an envelope. <laughs> like a fucking, like, you're, like fucking drug addict. Like, you're what giving, are you doing? You're, you're playing giving advice the game, friend, and I agree with you. 
what the fuck is wrong with you people? But this is not this is not the point of this. All right. What would you do as a parent? You come across this, you find this kid has shredded money, and maybe to make it more realistic for you, maybe for some reason, Brad, you've just kept a hundred, two hundred dollars in cash around for some reason. I don't know why you you just want to pay for something in cash. It's in an envelope. You walk in the room. You see a to- your toddler. Oh my goodness, that's the envelope that had the money in it. You just shredded $200 cash. I, first of all... The toddler looks at you and goes, Yay! Like, starts clapping their hands because they've shredded something else. Um, why does the kid know about how a paper shredder works? That's kind of scary. Do not let the like, kid use a paper shredder. To- toddlers should not be around any kind of shredder. Yeah, <laughs> there's a warning about it. I don't think you should. Like, their fingers could technically accidentally yeah. trigger it and it could cut them. Tiny little baby fingers don't need to be near shredders. Absolutely. So already worse. If we learned anything from the Ninja Turtles, children should stay away from the shredder. (laughs) You know, they don't mention that in any of the reporting I've seen from this. Mm. Um, Also, like, I'm sorry, like, you've got a toddler. Like, isn't, like, the whole thing about having, like, a little baby around, like, um, like... Like, keeping shit away from babies. Isn't that, like, the job? Like, the whole, like, prepping? Like, all right, we got to baby-proof this place? How is how is cash money in any denomination within child's reach? Like, that's... You put the, put the money with the booze and the pills. With other things, you shouldn't... Well, maybe not the pills and the booze. Well, you're not supposed to put money in your mouth, either. And kids put everything in their mouth. So you yeah. gotta... That's step one. Could this be put in the mouth? Booze, pills, and cash. Like, an important document. Keep them away from babies. Keep those babies away from shredders. So basically, and I, I guess we're maybe on the same thing. You don't... There is no parenting here other than preemptive stuff. Because once the kid has shredded it, it's done. And you're just like... If anything, you can laugh with the kid and be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't use the shredder because we shouldn't ever let you use the paper shredder. Mm-hmm. And maybe we just eat this $1,060 because we were going to throw that away at a universal a university I football mean, game season tickets anyway. Can, what can you, I mean, what are the options? Like, can you tape that together? And like, is there like a, is there, can, is there some sort of there, uh, there is. recourse? There is in the, and the recourse prompts another question. So mm-hmm. buckle up. Uh, the U.S. Department of Treasury's Bureau of Engraving and Printing has a service that pieces together shredded money and then reimburses you. Why does okay. this exist? The shredding, does the shredding of money happen at such a frequency that a bureau decided that we need to open up a department for this? I mean, well, I just think that there would be less so for people, but for like, I don't know, for like banks that get like, you know, Damaged bills are... I, oh, see, that that makes sense. Yeah, I just imagine there's a lot of, like, you know, machine issues maybe um, from ATMs or something. I All kinds of ways that, you know, currency could be damaged that, you know, you would have to take out of circulation, but so you can't... Service you can't just spread trumpet and just, like, take it out of circulation. Yeah. And that makes sense. Service for the banks as far as, like, look, this is our money. We're banks. Guys, come on. Um, so just so you know, anyone out there, if your kid accidentally shreds money in a shredder, first off, you're, you're failing as a parent. Stop. Yeah. But if you're failing on so many levels, like there's so many bigger issues than (laughs) your dumb football tickets. But if you leave, let's say, uh, uh, a Benny on the desk, you open up a window. Oh, sudden breeze. And it magically lands into a shredder and shreds itself. Ghosts. No. 
but I would look into it. But there's a there's a service that does this for you. Here's the other part. It can take six months to three years to get your reimbursement from this place. Whoa! They are overbooked, and piecing money back together is crazy elaborate, I guess. I didn't... I'm sure... I would love to know more about this process. Seems understaffed. Maybe. I, that sounds like a fucking racket. Six months to three years. I mean, so how so how does it work? What do you do? You're not getting adjustment for inflation, if that's what you're thinking. No, I just, I just want to know, like, you. are you... Do you have to, like, physically take it to them with, like... Yeah. And, like, say, this is how much this is, um, and then, like, give it to them, like, in a plastic bag, or do you mail it to them? Like, how does it work? I think you can mail it. Like, obviously... No, fuck no. This got picked up by the press because it's a funny story of, like, oh, we had this big visions for blowing a lot of money on season football tickets, like idiots, and our toddler shredded it. And it was played as a very cute story because, like, oh, kids don't know any better. Parents don't know better. And then the U.S. Department of Treasury was like, guys, we got a bureau for this. Six months to three years. Guys, keep your money away from shredders. Keep everything away from shredders unless they need to be shredded. Three. I mean, now now my question is, is it is it time, like, because they're just so backed up? Or is it, like, depending on the amount? Like, is, is there somebody that's, like, had, like, you know, a giant, like, stack of bills and that just takes longer because it's more bills and it's harder to to do the math? Or uh, is it like, oh, my, I, I, had a, I had a 20 that uh, got stuck in a vending machine and got ripped in half. Here's two pieces. So that takes, like, no time. Like, There's got to be work? tears. There's got to be tears. There's a lot of, like, these tiny, tiny, uh, I guess, tears on bills. That's the six months. But it's just backed up because there's so many of them. Like, all right, let me take this 20 together. Yeah. Let me take this together. This uh, f- uh, $100 bill is in, like, six pieces. But then you got the people who actually go through shredders, and there's, like, 50 I, I see, pieces sh- to a bill, and there's, like, tons of bills. I think shredder's easier, because I think you're you're not what you're not thinking about is waterlogged. What do you mean, waterlogged? Oh, okay. okay. That would be hard. Like, bills that are, like, all wet and, like, stuck together, and you've got to, like, mm. you've got to, like, oh, man. That's I think that, yeah. those are, I think those are the three-year jobs. Someone wakes up every morning, goes to work, and then has a bag of just torn money that they painstakingly put back together. Yeah. That's a job. That's like somebody that's like really into puzzles. Yeah, you can't automate that. Jigsaw puzzles. And now 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 they're in the top tier of putting money together. What do you think that pays? You think it pays good? Mm, I probably pays better than it should, but it's, I bet not. They're in no hurry. Yeah. If you if it if your span is six months to three years, you're just going in and putting yeah. the puzzle together. Yeah, I I I want a documentary about those people. I definitely that is fascinating. That's what we need. Knights Network first documentary. Well, maybe not first, but definitely on the docket to be considered for also, the first. Also, I I want I want I want a fucking uh, I want a movie. I want I want like a <laughs> an Ocean's Eight style like um like scheme movie based around this place. Interesting. I could see that. There are many strange legends in the Amazon. Even I, Ramjack, have heard the legend of the man-fish. Friends, it's that super spooky time of the week where we talk about Night Gallery. Tonight's stars, Bill Bixby, Patricia Sterling, 
Vincent Price. Brad is going to have a minute to summarize this episode of Night Gallery to the best of his ability. If he goes over a minute, he's forgotten what the holiday season's all about. If he goes horrendously under, under he is a Halloween chump. Do not ask what that is. If it's between 55 to a minute, Brad does a good job. Great Halloween. We'll go out and get our candy and come back all as well. But if he can get it on a minute on the dot, he's Braveheart. He goes down as a Halloween legend. Could you be that legend, Brad? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to summarize the contents of a painting? <laughs> uh, give me a moment. Let me get my um, hourglass out. This is so weird. Oh, boy. Oh, so much to discuss. Diving into the occult on go. Three, two, one, go. So uh, Bill Bixby goes to Vincent Price's house because he, he read about an ad in the paper and he's like, this sounds like the job for me. I'm just going to be doing some translation. Oh, by the way, this is a spooky creep house. Um, and Vincent Price is like an occult weirdo. And his wife, question mark, uh, Fern, um, she's also there. And she's also super weird, but Bill Bixby doesn't seem to realize. There's also fog in the house. That's never good. Also, uh, Vincent Price's father might be a goat or he's the devil. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but basically, uh, Vincent Price wants Bill Bixby to translate um, an old thing from something that uh, informed the Necronomicon, um, and it's uh, and everyone else didn't want to do it. They refused to do it, but he's going to force him to do it. He's also going to force him to live there, though he does this all in one night, so not a big deal. Um, but he's going to pay him real well. 40000 a year, or almost. Um, in the end, they do it. His brother comes back from the dead, uh, Vincent Price's brother, to get vengeance. And then the lady I makes out with Bixby? One minute! Very well done, friend. Very well done. A lot, a lot of weird stuff going on. Nothing really happens, but at the same time, everything is weird. Yeah, from what I... The only episode of Night Gallery I remember, and it may have been Night Gallery, I might be confusing it with something else, where this guy, I think he ended up killing someone, and they came back from the grave... And there was a painting on the wall that constantly, like, shifted. Like, it would change to show this person, like, coming out of the grave. Because it was like a painting of the house. And things would happen to in the painting, and it happened in real life. And the guy basically had a heart attack. Huh. Because he saw in the painting, because it was driving him crazy, his dead relative coming out of the grave. Like, it was basically like an almost, like, a stop-motion animation of, like, this guy coming out and then coming to the door, and he heard all of, like, the guy knocking, and he's, like, freaking out. And that was a little weird, but it was at least super thrilling. I don't know if you could call anything we see in this episode thrilling. There's some neat stuff that kind of happens for NBC between the years of 1969 and 1973. Yeah. I mean, it's... In that, it's pretty risky. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. So but. just so people who don't know what Night Gallery is, Rob Sterling, or Rob Serling, guy who did Twilight Zone, is back. Yeah, it's basically spooky time Twilight Zone. Yeah, focusing on horror and the macabre, as some would say. Yeah, like like to the point where Rod Serling even introduces it. Um, like you're now in the Night Gallery. It's like all right, come on just a whole bunch of paintings in a room and they choose one and like this is going to show you the theme of our story must have been really great for people who um because i guess these paintings are original so some artist was paid to make this yeah so that's cool 
I mean, and it's pretty loose given that the painting we see has kind of ties to the like episode-ish, maybe? Yeah, real, real, real loose, real loose. It's like, this is a sorcerer, is it? It looks like a monster. Yeah, at, at first, from a distance, I thought that some of the stuff in the middle that was a window was like a wizard or a sorcerer with like a staff holding up. But no, when you get closer, like the devil horned guy is supposed to be the sorcerer. Yeah. All right. Is this painting like a prequel? Because dad's a goat in this, which is, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. We got um, three characters and a goat. Yeah. The Return of the Sorcerer is based on like an old story, short story from like the 30s. Um, and it's supposed to be during that wave of Lovecraftian-like horror, um, which is why they reference the Necronomicon, which is just all stupid stuff. Um, H.P. Lovecraft was a nut. And, um... And a racist. Yeah, definitely would probably be, uh, in the running, definitely be a part of any right-wing, like, alt-right movement. Oh, yeah. Currently. Yeah, defo. Um, defo. He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, H. Pepe Lovecraft. <laughs> Jeez. Defo. Uh, I, I've read one of his works and thought, nah. It's... Did I talk about that on the show? I read, like, The Mountains of Madness, which was, like, where they go and they find, like, mm-hmm. the old aliens slash ancient creatures. That's Very most of weird. them. That's, they're almost all the same. Like, he's so obsessed with, like, th- and, like, I... This idea of like, oh, you, you, if you, you confront like the the true realities, and you, and you'll descend into madness because your mind can't withstand it. And I'm like, that's like that shits. I, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that concept in general. Like maybe once or twice you can get away with it, but like he keeps going back to that, and that's such fucking bullshit. That is, it's, I just, it, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a, a great thing to go back to over and over again oh, because it no. just it just says so much to his 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 lack of imagination more than anything else and his lack of uh, of of belief in like human ability to learn and comprehend oh definitely i mean if i looked over and in a crater saw a giant creature it would terrify me but not to the point where i would like go insane that but, even make but, sense. but what if, but what if in that scene, that creature, that. you saw all the truths of the universe, and they all came to you at once? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think you still work it out. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm Alex, a host of a podcast. It's nice to meet all of you. <laughs> if they came at me all at once up in my face, that's what I would say. And then I'd try to get them on the show. All the truths of the universe come to your face, and you say hello, come welcome to my podcast? I was thinking of the book I read where there was like... Uh, Cthulhu in a crater in the South Pole and like those weird aliens which it would have yeah. just killed me because they don't they're just weird yeah, it's, I, it's, you're talking about like truths in an abstract supernatural way I don't know because that's just weird I, yeah I'm like fuck that shit like stop with all this Ugh, fuck off fuck off Lovecraft <laughs> like your weirdo aesthetic is fun on rare occasions but like the fact that you had like a full career of like writing this shit is insane. You should have gotten to write one or two of these tops. Um. So yeah, this is based on that story, and this is the first episode in the third season. Which, for those at home who maybe have Hulu, you can just watch it there, which is a pretty good quality. But Brad also put a link to I think a Daily Motion version of it. Yeah. Which, um, guys, I know it's the daily motion link we just mentioned it recently it's it's playing backwards it's it's a, it's a straight up backwards scenario but i fucking downloaded software to flip it back to its correct orientation 
so I don't have those backwards credits because I will spooky. not watch that shit. Kind of spooky. Remember when you would you play records backwards? Sometimes you'd hear the words of the devil, our secret message. But flipping it doesn't do anything. No. Is there's yeah, a lot it just of makes weird the credits shit backwards? Yeah, it just makes the credit and makes people looking in the wrong direction, and I don't like it. Um, so Bill Bixby's on here. Oh. Um, he plays a guy who's like really into ancient uh, languages. Uh, I think particularly Arabic in this. Yeah. Uh, which is weird. So, Bill Bixby, for those who may not know, uh, played Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk. He also played, I think, the lead in a show called The Magician. Brad, yes. do you know of this show? Um, I'm aware of it only because it's mentioned on The X-Files. Um, so, but that's my, that's the, that's all of my knowledge of the show The Magician. Um, also familiar of the show The X, um, The Elvis Files, hosted by Bill Bixby, which oh. was very terrifying. Oh. Um... Yeah, the whole concept of the magician is there's a guy who is a stage magician who has to help cops <laughs> solve crimes because of his skills as a magician, which Fuck I think is shit. a very interesting premise. It's uh, I hate that it only lasted 21 episodes and only had one season, because hmm. I'm uh, sure you could have a lot of fun with that. Could you? Could you? F- filthy degenerate magician solving mysteries? I don't think so. Give Give me uh, Mr. Lawrence Sherrod and some gymnastics children. Any day of the week. You're telling me that in a, like the common day equivalent of this would be like Chris Angel or <laughs> a friend of the show. <laughs> I cannot think of his name at the top of my head. David Blaine? David Blaine. Solving crimes with cops. Alex, you can't remember his name. You talk to him. He has your number. He calls you for chats. David, I'm sorry it's late. In a few years, you'll release that old audio <laughs> from behind the Disney vault. Episode 500. <laughs> Will you wait? Is it worth it? But yeah, you're telling not. me that David Blaine, like, on with the cops, like, David, focus. Quit, f- like, throwing up fish and right, levitating. Right, 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 I need cool, you cool. to tell me who, how they did this. All right, so we're looking for a murder, right? We're looking for the murder. We're trying to figure out who murdered these kids. Cool. All right. Uh, but let me ask you something. What's, what's that in your pocket? What's that in your pocket? What? What is that? What is that? What is, just take, take a look in your huh. pocket. What is that? Whoa. No that's way. Your, that's your no card, way. right? That's it's your card. card. It's my card. It's the card he showed me five days ago. Hey, 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 what's on the other side of that card? What is that? Don't. What is it? Don't do it. What's on the other side of that card? I can't say it. Is it the name of the dead kid? It's the name of the dead kid. Yeah. Hey, hey, check this out. What's... Oh, I'm sorry. There's another bottom of your shoe. Take a look. Is that the name of the killer? What? Is that the name of the killer? I don't know, David. It's your name. Because <laughs> hey how else would you hey have guys. the evidence and know all of this without us telling you? Hey, guys. Close close your eyes and turn around for five seconds. Okay. <laughs> David Blaine's the actual villain. He's the bad magician. <laughs> Cutting it. Run it. Gotta, gotta get run. out of here. Gotta fast. <laughs> it's too close this time. Where is he? Well, he's not in the lake. That'd be impossible. No one could hold their breath for that long. There's got to be somewhere else. Let's go. <gasps> like everything he's done to this point is training on the cops. <laughs> okay, I'm down for this show. I'm down for this. That's a good. That's oh, a, by the way, good. speaking of friends of this show, um, just because it's—I mean, we haven't talked about it, but it's in the news. Um, Ramjack Project Child Taylor Swift. Oh yeah. Um, coming out. And uh, who? Do, after all these years, we clearly picked the right horse. Yes, definitely. Well done, Taylor. I'm, I'm yeah. happy for you. Good for you. 
Huh, you've pissed off a lot of Republicans. Good job. They should be pissed off. Many of them are horrible people. Not all, but anyone who's like definitely hardcore. Yes, definitely. No, all of them. All of them, Alex. Don't understand. Don't understand. They're all awful people. Don't understand. Like, you have to have no empathy and basically want certain groups of people to not be recognized fully as people with rights. Yeah. To be someone who's super conservative. Like, it's just all emphatically. If you're a Republican, you're a bad person. Yeah. And, and most of the Democrats, too. Like, fuck those fucks. Um, but. Democrats, yeah. Republicans, yeah. I, I was super conservative, yeah. Someone who aligns themselves with the concept of what a liberal person would be? All right. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, the, the maybe is how far and what they believe in, I guess. I consider myself a liberal person. I mean, you are also, I would consider, a liberal person, but not in the I traditional political sense of the United States, I guess, in the original global definition consider, of someone who's open I would consider myself a leftist, but would not consider myself a liberal. Interesting. And I consider myself a Democrat on paper only, because fuck those motherfuckers. Why are, you, why are you against the label of a liberal? Does um, it mean something less to you now? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, why? Out of curiosity. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's semantics of, I think of it as the way my Canadian friends had explained it to me once, that people laugh at the concept of Democrats and liberals and conservatives and Republicans in the States because a liberal person's supposed to be someone who's open-minded and looks at stuff objectively. Well, but at the same time... We're not talking about, but we're talking about political labels. Political I was talking label about the non-political label. That's what I. That's why I said well, I consider myself that you other You can't one. use that. Does that doesn't make any sense, Alex? We live in a country where that's a political label. Like you can't just use decide to use the word differently than everyone else uses the word. All right, in the states, then I may not be a liberal. Then I mean, I would consider myself a leftist, definitely. But no, fuck the Democrats. Fuck most of the liberals. No, no, no. Definitely fuck the centrist and burn the fucking uh, right wing to the ground in all forms. What's the difference between a liberal and a leftist? Uh, we don't um, have to go into all of it, I guess, because obviously, I guess we're opening a can yeah. of worms there. But well, I'm curious as to what you would consider that. So leftists um, be more focused on anti-capitalism um, against uh, against uh, war generally uh, for uh, um, unions, uh, more socialist programs. Whereas liberal, I ugh. Liberal, you're in that fuck. You're you're in fucking uh, Aaron Sorkin, Barack Obama town. You're you're in the you're in a a weird uh, left wing corporatist like Hillary Clinton identity politics like milieu that doesn't have much of a political stance beyond that. See, I would I would equate that with the concept of being a Democrat all out, but I guess you can't really. I mean, they're so interrelated, you, I guess. Yeah, you can't really do that, because I'm a Democrat on paper. I, I mean, mean, so am I. Because there's no other option. You we don't have. There's not another option in the country currently. Yeah. Even the concept of centrist, leftist, right-leaning versus liberal and conservative, I can see how those are all different on different levels, for sure. Well, and neoliberalism, in my mind, it bleeds together in some things. Neoliberalism has consumed the Democratic Party to the point of, like, that there's, there's not... There aren't really that many flavors. There's, there's now there's like fucking crazy right wings, the crazy right wing that like wants to kill all minorities, and then there's the crazy right wing that's mostly okay with killing all minorities, um, and then there's centrist Democrats that are pretty much okay with going along with all of that, and then there's liberal Democrats that are less okay with going along with that. 
Like, it's... We don't have a very... There's not a lot of flavors of politics in the country. I wish there were more. There should be more. Yeah, absolutely should be more. But there's, like, there's not... There's no party of anti-corporate, anti-war, um, anti-capitalism. There's not a party for that at all. Very true. What a sad revelation to have here on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but fitting for... Uh, a little spook, a little fright <laughs> in this, the high holiday times of October. Uh, sobering realizations. Um, so yeah, Bill Bixby walks in, he knocks on a door in the middle of a thunderstorm, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lady answers the door and already is competing for best dressed, worst dressed. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> she's got, she's got a, is, okay, hold on, I gotta, I gotta, is this, is this just a sweater, or is this a dress with a star on it? I think it is a dress with a five-pointed star upside down, just below her breast line, but, like, fits into the curve of her cleavage, kind of, in an odd way. And it looks like it's blue on blue, and it might be a light denim fabric on top of a darker denim fabric, the star being the darker denim, or it's the lighter denim. Mm-hmm. All I remember is thinking, what the fuck are you wearing? Yeah. Was it the time? <laughs> Was uh, it the late seventies? I, I don't know if you can blame that, but maybe. It's certainly not. Th- wait, no, it's not. Wait, what? What year is this episode? Um, this is 1972. Yeah, so 72. People were wearing these kinds of shirts all everywhere, or maybe occultists were in particular. It's so weird because it's not even like it may be an upside down five pointed star, but it doesn't look particularly. Like satanic. No, not at all. It really just looks like she's wearing a star on her on her sweater. I dare you to tell me what orientation a five pointed star needs to be on. I'm I wearing mean, my own thing, doing my own, doing just, me, guys. In seventy two. Like it doesn't it doesn't really look like a pentagram. It just yeah. Not a pentagram. Yeah, that's the weird part. It's not a pentagram. It's just an upside down yeah. star. Yeah. Sometimes very strange. Sometimes I feel like an upside down star. Don't worry about it. But you, why are you? I'm sorry, Bill Bixby. You are here for the job. <laughs> Bill Bixby found a job. So did he call? Did he like just show up? No, no, there was, there was an ad in the paper for this. They needed to hire a translator. He um, went to a public restroom. He saw the person, oh, the, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the jobs page in between the stalls, picked it up mm-hmm. like a heathen and read it and then went straight to the house and knocked on the door and said, I'm here for the job. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, cool. Um, let me take you back to Vincent Price. And does she even clarify if it's her husband or if she just works there? Like, I don't think she, it's ever truly clarified what her role to in all of this is. Well, I think it's clear later. But at this point, I was I th- I thought she was like the maid or like the housekeeper or some person that just answers the door. I don't know, secretary. There's, there's a mystery around her that keeps you kind of engaged at the beginning. Yeah. So she walks him back to uh, Vincent Price's creepy office. Super creeps. A lot of strange things. I do love how they play with shots where they try to build levels. So it's like weird stuff kind of close that's slightly out of focus. And then like the actors, they do that a lot. And it's neat because you see just random things like, ooh, there's a skull or ooh, there's a taxidermy black cat on your desk. On on the piano. Um, Oh, yeah, the piano. There's a piano and a harp. I didn't see the harp. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Less creepy, and, but still neat. And so uh, immediately, uh, when Vincent Price comes in the office, um, 
I mean, sorry, when Bill Bixby comes to the office, Vincent Price is like, um, give, give me your, give me your first and last name written out in large block letters. It's like, okay. And then he does his, like, number, like, he works out his, I don't know, astrological, like, whatever magic number. Don't know what the system the... is. I don't either. Arcola- yeah. It's, uh, which, it's, it's, it really struck me because I recently watched, uh, uh, the Abbott and Costello movie, um, one Night in the Tropics, Ooh. Um, in, in which um, there's like uh, this woman's aunt is obsessed with like numerology and shit, and is like, "You can't marry my daughter. You're a number four. Really? Yeah. So there's a precedence for this. I have never heard of this number I, system. This is, I this is a thing. People, listen. I don't think numerology is so much of a thing anymore because I think um, we have the internet now and we realize that this is bullshit. Oh yeah. I mean, plus the concept of it kind of being based on block letters from the English alphabet, which isn't that old. <laughs> you think to yourself, huh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very strange. But he's like, oh, your number, hmm, says I don't know about you. And Bill Bix is like, oh, so I don't have the job? Cool. I'm not. And he starts to leave. Yeah. And the vision person is like, no, 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 no. Listen, if you take this job, you'll have to live here. Yeah. Um, also, I hope you like... Was it whiskey and walnuts? Or brandy yeah. and walnuts? Oh, yeah, yeah. To me, that came yeah. off as, like, old dude just enjoying his snacks. <laughs> yeah. See if you can translate this. Would you like any <laughs> brandy and walnuts? I love brandy and walnuts. I I guess maybe some brandy, sir. Or do those oh, two things go to walnuts? Yes. They're we, wonderful. We get a shot of him taking a walnut out of this just... Uh, platter full of walnuts and like crack it and looking at him like yeah walnuts I live for these <laughs> if you stay here you will live on site but you will be well paid um how well paid will he be like <laughs> we haven't discussed salary yet and it's a good thing Brad brings it up he gets paid $750 a week <laughs> that's money what does that translate to over a year assuming well, he needs his services seven. assuming he gets holidays mm-hmm. Oh, it's Alex, it's big money. That's $39,000 a year. Wow. And Bill Bixby's mouth falls open. You mean yeah. I'm just going to translate shit for th- nearly $40,000 a year? Whoa. Oh, it was a different time. Different time. Very different 1972. Time. Um, but also, like, that implies that he's going to be there for a while. Yeah. Because he's living there. Um, This whole episode uh, takes place over a night, correct? Am I wrong? I, yeah, it takes place, yeah, through a night into a morning, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, def- definitely it does, because, well, we'll get to that. All right, all right. Um, so, Bill Bix is like, well, and, oh, Vincent Price is like, oh, by the way, I want you to start tonight. He's like, well, I'm going to need to go home and get my uh, dictionaries and translating materials. And my clothes, if I'm going to start living here. And I think I have a lease, but that's whatever. He doesn't have a lease. He's living with his parents. It's fine. Um, so and, yeah, uh, Vincent Price is like, okay, but the thing is, see, I'm so glad you're going to work here because my brother died recently, my twin brother, and we were so very close. And then it gets all weepy and weird, and it's very strange. And yeah, it gets weird. And Bill Bixby says, look, guys, you got red lights everywhere and red candles, you got all this strange, macabre stuff. I get it, you're into the occult. And that's not really my speed. I'm more of what you would call a square. And Vincent Price says, that's perfect. That way you won't meddle with all my other stuff. I just need you to translate shit. Cool? 
I guess his brother used to do it, which is why they need a translator now, and why they might expect him to be there for multiple months, because they're, they're, I, they're sorceresses, right? He's a sorcerer, yeah. Vincent Price. Yeah. Um, so Bill Bixby's like, all right, I guess. Vincent Price is cool. Here's your, here's uh, your first month's check. My first month? This is real first money. First month in advance. Go and get your stuff. Get back here, champ. I need you. And then um, the lady of the house, whatever her role may be, leads him to the door and is like, all right, we'll see you soon. You can show yourself don't, out, right? And Bill Bixby, go ahead. Don't let that $3,000 check uh, uh, burn a hole in your pocket. <laughs> Keep it away from a shredder. Keep that away from toddlers with shredders. So he's a little freaked out, but he's going to go with it. You know, he doesn't have a lot of other prospects. Obviously, this seems like a neat gig. It could be fun. There's an attractive woman in the mix. For Bill, I mean, weird, in the weird 70s. Weird fashions. Weird fashions. Like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. I'll make some friends, worst case. So he goes out, and then Bill Bixby get, I mean, God, I keep, I keep saying the names back. Um, Vincent Price gets all weepy, and and they has the most awkward hug ever <laughs> with uh, with his lady. I don't remember what he says, but he's basically just like, I. she says, you know, we don't have to get that part translated, that one part that's going to take months, I guess. We don't have to get any of it translated. And Vincent Price says, I must have it translated. I must. And then he throws himself into the stomach of this woman who's standing above him and just starts crying. Maybe you shouldn't go through with it. Maybe you shouldn't have it translated. You shouldn't know. No. No, I must know. I must. I must is weird and uncomfortable. Tears and stars, what's going on? And but she this, just smiles at the camera like a weirdo. In my mind, she's smiling at the fog machine off camera because they got a lot of work to do before <laughs> Bill Bixby gets back. Seriously? <laughs> they have a rep to protect. They have a mood they like to set in their household, and it is one of mystery and intrigue. Yeah, because Bill Bixby comes back. He's got his suitcase with him, um, and they're walking down this hallway... That is filled with fog inside their home. Yeah, straight up um, fog. Also, there's candle holders that are hands holding candles. Yes. Colored to look kind of like a teal-ish color, like they might be some sort of wrought iron, but still hands holding yeah. candles. Super tacky. Like, this whole place <laughs> is like the worst. I love that Brad comes with not scary or like, ooh, eerie, just tacky. Oh. Yeah, what no, it's tacky doing as here? fuck. Like, candle holders that look like hands holding candles. Fuck off with that shit. It's not creepy, it's just ugly. I get that you're into the occult, but what does this have to do with the occult? This is zany like, craziness. Yeah, like, class up your occult shit, alright? Like, just have to, like, some, like, wrought iron, like, something, like... Tasteful candles in the... Why you need... You got lights. Are they lights that look like candles? Like I can't even remember. No, no, I think I think they are real candles. I'll give them that. It's not that would be the tackiest. Oh my god, if they had fucking like like scary hands holding fake candles with little little light bulbs at the top. Oh, oh and they're made to look like it's dripping wax, but it's just the fucking plastic. It's that cheap ass plastic. They spared no expense, oh. Brad. They are living. Oh, and, the, and you can actually see the cable lifestyle. coming down that has that has the like the little wheel that you turn to turn. All it on of and them off. have that. I don't, don't even wire just, them to a switch. It's just hanging down. They kind of thread it around the hand a little bit, but not really. They did a real half-ass job. With what it. neighborhood is this house in? Like, who are oh, these people? Oh, it's, it's fucking it's a shit show. Like, 
Oh, uh, they spent all that money on the desk, and they it ugh, and and yeah, everything else is just cheap crap. There's it is a nice desk. Vincent Price does have a nice blue desk. Yeah, yeah, the color it doesn't work with the color scheme. Why is it like have a black desk? He's got weird paintings. I don't remember what is it like. God is the architect, or Zeus is the architect. Like there's a there's a quasi famous painting in the background of this, and I can't remember what it's yeah, called. Um, I recognized it. Yeah. But it's huge. Like it takes up an entire wall in his study. Like his study's got a pentagram on the ground for real weird shit happening, and that's cool. You know, that's what they're into. Um, but Bill Bixby's upstairs getting acquainted with his room in the fog, and he's like, I don't know what I signed up for. He looks at what is the woman's name again? Um, her name is... One second... Uh, Fern. He looks at Fern and says, Hey, Fern, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a level set. I'm a little freaked out about this. I'm a square. Did you hear that part? And I need to know that you're gonna be a friend in my corner that if things get too crazy, you can just get me out of here or, like, we can soldier through this together. She's like, Oh, I'll be your friend. And then she moves in real close, and as they start to kiss, it fades to dinner time, I think? No, it fades to, um... Is it dinner time? They fade um, to something. It, no, it fades to him uh, in Vincent Price's, uh, uh... Translating room? I don't know what you want to call this. So did His they... Office. My question... His other office. Did Bixby and Fern make out? Did they just share a kiss? Was it more? Oh, And also, I... why are they, like... Why? Like, what is... Yeah, it you comes, don't know her, it comes dude. completely out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Is this I, part of her I, racket? I, like, scare some dude to where, like, ooh, he sees me as, like, an anchor in this crazy occult lifestyle, and at that point, I jump in, and I got him. I mean, well, clearly, like, she's, she's like, the one that's, um, spoiler alert, she's the, she's the real evil that's behind all everything, and, like, uh, so... I guess she's just trying to lure him in. I I, I think I don't think they have sex because I yet, because um, I think she's just luring him along. Probably not even any head, heavy petting, just a nice gentle kiss, reassuring you that yeah, yeah. I'm your friend and maybe more. Because this is also weird. It's this, weird oh, you'd be kissing me like this this yeah. early and me knowing you in a fog house. Yeah, Bill Bixby also asked at this point. So how um. Did anyone have this job before me? And she's like, yeah, there's two people. Um, they both quit um, the first day. So hopefully you'll do better. Huh. So, yeah, him and Vincent are kind of chilling. He's getting more, um, I guess, associated with what's going on. They constantly hear like a weird um, dragging of what sounds like feet mm-hmm. of someone limping through the house. Hmm. They attribute it to rats or other things or just someone's imagination. But when we when we go back to like when Vincent and Bixby are in the main occult study, that's when they start throwing out all this shit about Necronomicon. It's like, hey, I, this is the Necronomicon, but it was also based on the much earlier work, and that's what I need you to translate. I need you to translate yeah. this passage in particular. So get. Can you on believe that. that these works were never translated to Latin from Arabic? All right, cool. I can do that. It's like, yes, wonderful, wonderful. Also, the desk has a bunch of skulls and um, on it and, and more candles. Like, so many candles. This place is just a fire waiting to happen. It would go up in seconds if a match hit the floor. Yeah. Or a candle just knocked over. 
And, but also, just Bixby again is saying, look, guys, I appreciate your occult thing. It's not mine. I just happen to be a guy who's like really into Arabic for some reason and never explained why. Well, he's a translator. He knows Arabic. Like that's he's not super into it. He's just a translator. That's it's his what he thing. does. He has he's got a knack it's his for job, it. Job, Alex. Stop job shaming him. Um. So Vincent says, "Okay, I get your shit together. We're gonna have dinner later, right? I don't I don't think there's a scene between this and that. No, no, Is no. There? Then we cut to then we. So they've had a weird conversation. Cut to a goat at the dinner table. <laughs> We're all here." seemingly with pasta in front of it yeah goats goats love pasta the scene opens like we just we're close in on a on a goat at a dinner table with pasta in front of it and then we pull out to reveal uh vincent price and fern and bill bixby at dinner with a goat it's a hard cut too like i think yeah the, the camera focuses on vincent price and he says something to kind of like to oh, dovetail oh. into this no. Oh. No. They're just sitting there with a goat, awkwardly eating dinner for a couple of seconds. Like, they're eating. Like, this is... Like, they've been eating. I don't... I want to know. I want to see everything that led up to this. Because then, all of a sudden, Vincent Price is like, Oh, where are my manners? I should have introduced you to my father. Yeah, because if they've been eating for a minute, that means there's at least been five to ten awkward minutes of there just being a goat at the table, and Rod is just here for it. It's like, all right. Oh. I mean... I'm getting paid. Like, I mean, Bill Bix, you just eat, like, all right, this is fucking weird. I'm just eating dinner with a goat. Cool, I guess. We're not going to talk about this goat sitting on, in a chair at a dinner table with pasta in front of it. This black fucking goat. <laughs> just like, just there. Like, um, Fern is looking dazzling. Lady upgraded her wardrobe. She's got like a full sequent dress. Mm-hmm. Pulling it off very well. I'm like, way, way to come back from like a fast, a fashion kind of faux pas-ish thing to really knock it out of the park. Like you're really all over the map, but I like it. Well done. Yeah. Bill Bixby, by the way, um, wearing a, a tan a corduroy uh, jacket yeah, corduroy. that I'm always a fan of. Corduroy though? Yeah. Yeah. You can see it in the dinner scene better. Um, Interesting. I didn't, to me, it was just yeah. tan jacket. I'm like, eh. Yeah, I didn't realize Waterway it until the dinner scene. But when you actually it. see it closer, you can see the texture on his, especially on his sleeve. Um, and then Vincent Price is like, oh, and this wine is blood red. Ooh, isn't it wonderful? And everyone's like, ah, whatever. Dude, you are super into this. And I guess you're oh. rich and we're just we're just here for it. Trying so hard. Like, oh, like, like, like the weirdest kid in high school. <laughs> just really playing this goth thing up huh who's weirding harder it's gotta be me my dad's a goat i drink blood it's cool is it well doesn't it cool doesn't fern bring out like a frog yeah yeah this is when she brings this is when she first brings out her frog brings out a frog and saw like well vincent so rod sees vincent or witnesses vincent saying and doing two weird things introducing the goat and compliment like commenting on how red the drink is and then he kind of looks over at fern who then brings her, her frog out of her pocket and is like hey froggy and rod i thought they were gonna say that was their son yeah. I, I was expecting it and rod keeps his cool why he are you keeps... saying rod who's rod there's no rod oh no oh, it's not rod serling is the main guy you're right so sorry bill bixby it's bill bixby, bixby playing noel i wonder why I... yeah i don't know why i guess because they were just the other of the four people we see during this entire thing, one of them is Rod Serling. So it's like, oh, 
Uh, My mind just jumped over there. But yeah, Bill Bixby, to his credit, doesn't run away. No. Nor does he turn into the Incredible Hulk. No. That would have been awesome. Um, nor does he Nor does he do any magic just yet. Or does he um, find out if Elvis is alive? Yeah. <laughs> any of the things he's known for. Yeah. So, Vincent, they hear the thudding again of someone apparently walking. Uh, Fern is adamant that it's just rats. Don't worry about it. So, the dinner's Sorry, over. We have, we have rats, okay? No big deal. We have rats. Those are some scary-sounding rats. If Those you are... have rats like that in your house, burn the house down. Yeah. That's a splinter situation, because they sound like a giant human-sized mm. rat. Defo. So, and with goats running wild in the house, I mean, who knows? Like, could it be another goat? Is it grandma? I, or is it, like, moms? What's going on? Um, we, this is the weirdest dinner scene. This is this scene could be in Riverdale. It's such a weird <laughs> dinner scene. Well, what happens after it is crazy, too. So, um, they're like, all right, guys, we're going to go take some quiet time, collect yourself. We're going to meet back later. Bill's going to tell us what's up with the translation. So, they're all leaving, and Fern just kind of, like, goes out of the room. She's got her frog. She's going to going out. And then Bill Bixby rolls up and says, Fern, what the fuck's going on? And she's like, dude, listen. <laughs> Let me lay some weird psychedelic shit on you right now. That's no, no, not yet. That's oh, it's way not. Later. I no. thought that was with this because she's. I thought she was in her the dress she was wearing for the dinner at that point. Uh, oh, that is... happens after the reveal of what the yeah. text is, right? Yeah. Okay, my apologies. So they go yeah. from dinner to the big reveal of the text. Right. I for a second I thought we were still in the dinner scene because we we see Bill Bixby, but no, he's at the table translating. But he has so many goddamn candles in front of him. Oh yeah. It, it is ridiculous. And I thought, I, for a second, I thought it was the dinner scene. And I was like, why does he have so many candles next to him? And it's like, oh, no, that's he's at the translating table. But those candles are weird looking. <laughs> but it is it is comical in the fact that I think uh, Fern and uh, Vincent are on thrones, essentially. They're like yeah. sitting in throne-like chairs. And they're like, all right, tell us what you found there's out. A, there's a pentagram in between the three of them. Yeah. And then you go the up to Bixby, who is, like you said, like, shielded by candles <laughs> as he reads huh. he looks uncomfortable and he, he feels he's like god I got in with these nerds but they're paying me money like you kind of feel that and he's a little scared so he says he stands up because he can't talk over these because you can't see him over the candles and right. says guys look I just translated this and I understand why those people left and to be honest with you I'm feeling skittish here's the check uh, I bid you adieu and the thing is like I because I, he translates it um, so I'm like, just, just write it out and hand it to him. Like, why do you have to like, like recite it? Like any translation that is also given, I think counts. It doesn't just have to be spoken out loud. I still, I think if you, if you, first of all, like, fuck these weirdos. Like there, I still, there's no reason to believe this shit is real. These are just a bunch of fucking weirdos that hang out with goats and frogs. I feel like you write it down and be like, all right, guys, here's the translation. I'm done, actually. So I guess I don't need to live here any longer because I finished this in a couple of hours. You're welcome. So I guess I'll get my bag. And um, do you want the rest of this money back? Because I worked for a few hours as opposed to the month you've already paid me for. So do you just want to call it? Because um, this project did not last that long. Vincent Price would stop you at this point and say... Motherfucker, I paid you. Here's my little revolver. I'm gonna point it at you from across the room. You're gonna you're gonna translate this. You're not going nowhere. He's like, alright, fine, I'll read it. 
Well, uh, would this scare you? Because Vincent Price brings the gun out, and it's not pointed at anyone at first. Like, he's, he's like, it's awkward. Like, he's not used to bringing out a gun and pointing it at someone yeah. the way he brings this out. It's very true. So I'm I, thinking you could run, and he may, the chances of him oh, hitting yeah. you are slim to none. You get a chance, but at the same time, these are weirdos. So I, you know, I would just be like, go along with it. Like, All right, fine. I'll read this shit. He might break his uh, wrist if he fires that gun. Like, it's very limp and not held properly. Like, yeah. I mean, anyone could retrieve from the bullet. His, I mean, Yeah. He's going to have to go to the doctor if he shoots the gun the way it's held. That's very true. That's very true. But I don't know if I'd want to still want to take the chance. Neither does Bixby. So he sits back down and he has to use his projection voice to get over the candles. And he translates. What is he? What is it? amount to brad what is this so uh basically it says uh if a sorcerer dies Mm -hmm. um even if he's chopped up into pieces interesting um if someone knows his true power uh he can come back whether in whole or in pieces and um uh, wreak vengeance Oh, uh, also, uh, other part that I didn't quite read before, um, there's a bit of a curse here to anyone that translates this. So, uh, and if you translate it, it says that, uh, uh, you'll be, uh, burnt and tortured and killed, uh, and some other things. So, there's that. So that's probably why the other people quit. Uh, so, uh, that's it. That was supposed to take months. <laughs> Was there something else you want, they want translated as well? Like, what was, what is this about? In my mind, after they translated this, and if things didn't go crazy, that he would just stay on retainer, and they'd, like, go up to his room every once in a while and be like, hey, can you translate this new page? I need to know what other spells or magic I can do. And he would just slowly translate the book for them, I, assuming that maybe uh, his brother, Vincent Price's twin brother, had originally translated it, or mm. they just need, in need of a magic translator. I mean, I think what you're supposed to believe is that is that if the, if he did if he uh, if he did you know do the translation, uh, they would probably kill him eventually, like quickly, because um, they're evil and whatnot. Um, and I think that's what we're led to believe is going to happen. Um, but I I do like the idea that he's just like doing odd jobs around the house. Oh, that'd be great. Um, when he translated it's like, it, wonderful. But, um, what were you finished about? the translating? Uh, could you caulk this uh, uh, <laughs> this uh, this sink in the bathroom? I just I can't get it. Look, you're contracted to the end of the month. You've done your job, but you know I'm paying you. So if you don't mind, like Fern, I, we really need someone to take the drapes down and just like go out and beat him in the backyard, get all that dust off. You'd be surprised how much dust hasn't been done in a while. Just do it. Come on, and the laundry and the dishes. We're paying you good money. Could you translate this uh, recipe from my grandmother? I just can't make out the handwriting. You're good with words, right? It's a muscadine wine? Sounds delicious. I've never had it. How red is it? Can you tell me? So, Vincent Price, at the news of this translation, is frozen in fear or just distraught in some way. And Bixby is like, Psst, Fern, why is he, like, frozen? And she says, I'm out. Now that that's done, I think I'm going to go to my room and hang out for a while. We'll have black mess later, whatever. So she leaves, oh, and that's by when the way, Bixby follows her out. We skipped over. Um, there was a point in the dinner where she's like, oh, by the way, um, everyone knows that women are the most powerful sorcerers. Oh, this is and, the, uh, yeah, that's the whole thing, Brad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, women are the most powerful sorcerers, and they are able to 
dominate um, the men and uh, they have the true power. It's super weird because she doesn't. It sounds reverse-ish because she's like, for every sorcerer, there's like a thousand sorceresses enslaved by the sorcerer or something like that gives the woman more power or something. Or like, it's bullshit, but it's basically the amount of, and we'll just go ahead and jump to this. I'm the one pulling the strings here, and I guess I'm just trapping a bunch of dudes to get more and more power from them because I can easily manipulate these idiots. Yeah. Which is cool. She turned yeah. dad into a goat, and her, his sons are just hanging out with her for a while. One of them died. Well, no big deal. And I think, and also, uh, well, he's fro- well, Vincent Price is frozen. She's like, oh, by the way, yeah, he's kind of freaked out because he killed his brother and chopped him into pieces. And Bill Bixby's like, okay, well, weird. I think I should leave because this is fucking weird, and I did not sign on for this. And I finished my translating, and she's like. All right, but what if we make out instead? Yeah, don't leave. We got Black Mass later. You don't want to miss that. And maybe I should kiss you again. And he stops her and says, I don't think I can kiss you with a frog here. Because she's been kissing the frog. And, and she's, then she's like, well, why don't you kiss the frog? And he's like, I don't know what's going on here. And she says, shut up. Listen, love is hate. Hate is love. Pain is ecstasy. <laughs> Starts laying a lot of hippie jive on him. And he and kind s- of... He kisses her. like Yeah, it, it works. I'm like, She's what the hell is game. happening? Like, this is this is very trippy. This whole thing is very bizarre. Like, we are like one step away from like David Lynch territory. Yeah, it is. Like, I don't understand what anyone's doing. Life is death. Up is down. Kiss me, you idiot. <laughs> and he's like, all right. If you can just kind of like angle the frog away so he's not so close to our mouths. Though I think if we had had, there must have been a cut they had where she like slowly brought the frog over to them kissing. And he's like, he, he brings his hand up and pushes it away slowly. I wish there'd have been more camp funny in this because that would have been, I think, yeah. really made What's it. amazing about it, like it's, it's just... Because this is played very serious. Oh, yeah. Like, there isn't, there's no irony in this, but man, it is just on the cusp. I mean, there were many times I laughed. Oh, it's hilarious because it is goofy as fuck, but it's really taking itself seriously. So she like leaves him there in that room. Well, no, and he oh, kisses when? At, when they're kissing. Suddenly, Vincent throws open the door. He's done a wardrobe change. And he's got his gun, and he says, dude, you didn't finish translating shit. And Bixby says, ugh, I guess I didn't. So now they're getting ready for Black Mass, and they've got to all go back in there and get prepared. Well, no, it's not Black... Is it Black Mass yet? I... This is where things get convoluted in my mind, because Black Mass yeah, is well, the black, Yeah, the Black Mass doesn't happen yet. No, they're just getting ready. And so he, they're back in the room, and this is when they start hearing the, um, the walking and the knocking... And uh, Bill Bixby's like, what the hell is that? And Vincent Price is like freaking the fuck out and paranoid. Bill Bixby opens the door and there's a hand and a foot just crawling around. Which in the fog. For the early 70s is a pretty cool special effect. Yeah. Like I can see how on network television seeing this would freak you the hell out. Because it looks good. I mean, it looks good for what it is. Though it's a little strange because the hand looks long. The foot knows where to go. I'm making it. The hand doesn't know. It's lost in the fog. It's like literally like Marco Polo. Like it's like, but it thumps. So it's Uh. that's what they're doing. It's an elaborate system for the body parts of the brother, who's his twin brother, to come back together. Um, Uh, Bill Bixby slams that door, and Vincent Price is like, "Oh fuck! I see. I cut my brother up. 
his head's in the closet over there, and you start hearing the, the thumping in the closet. And they're like, what the fuck? So, yeah. And so then Vincent Price is like, um, you know what? I think that fucking bitch is behind this whole thing. So he he runs into the other room where she's preparing for the Black Mass, and he's got a sword. He's like, I'm just going to fucking kill her um, and get this shit to stop. And she, she's like, I don't think so. Yeah, she, so he says that she pitted him and his brother against each other because they both were attracted to Fern, and like she used that, her venom wild, her sorceress powers, to pit them against each other, and that's what made him kill him, not the fact that he did it himself. Blaming women... For his problems, for his actions. Always, it's it's clearly always their fault. So like Brad said, he runs in. He's about to run his saber through her, and she turns around with a, uh, some sort of like large chalice with, I'm assuming, blood or something in it. And because of it, I, it could be because of her magics. It could be because of her beauty. I like to think it's because of the rich red color of the thing in the that stops him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's like, whoa. She's like, time for Black Mass. Let's go. And this is when Bixby says, I'm fucking out. He says, I can't do this Black Mass thing with you guys. So he runs upstairs and is trying to throw stuff in a suitcase. Um, reluctantly, Vincent Price follows Fern into the room. And yeah, there's his brother back pieced back together. A little worse for wear. Vincent Price hands him the sword. He's kind of entranced. They do a weird seance thing or like a cult ritual. The, I mean, these magic words. Because abracadabra gets thrown in there quite a abracadabra, lot. Abracadabra, bippity boppity boo. Five, 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 five. Like, I don't know. The whole thing where like they're asking a god to protect them, because I think at one point Vincent does that. Um, yeah, he's saying numbers. Yeah, he just says three, three times, five, five times. And he stops him saying nine, nine times, thankfully. Oh. But uh, yeah, so that doesn't work. So yeah, they just have this weird, crazy shit happening, and like Bixby's like, you know what, I gotta go stop whatever the hell's gonna happen. He goes in there, he can't get the door open. Brother, Vincent Price lays his head down on the altar, his brother chops his head off, and then all the crazy silent, all the sounds and everything stop. And then Bixby's able to open up the door, and then there's Fern, wardrobe change, back in her weird denim star outfit, and Goat Dad is just hanging out at the translation table, and Bixby's says what the hell happened what happened to uh vincent and Fern? they took care of each other yeah they took care of each other they're gone now it's just you and me baby and dad um and he says fern i don't know she's like shut up dummy look you me and the frog in my bedroom right now and he says like why are you bringing the frog back into this what the fuck (laughs) is up with the frog she says dude don't worry about it and then he says, "Remember when I translated that curse about how I would be dismembered and like, like put on, like tortured? You think there's any truth to that?" She's like, "Babe, babe, come on. Let's go My upstairs. bedroom. The frog. What was that? Nothing. Go upstairs." And then the goat dad knows what's up, and that's the end of it, right? <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre. How is this a story compelling for people? Like, it's compelling in the guise of. Night gallery and the funniness of it, like the spectacle of how it's on. But like in the night, like in the 1930s, the story this is based on. How is this compelling? Like, what does it? This is like a non-story to me. It's like brothers betraying each other because of a woman who's powerful magic. Okay, I guess. I mean, I think the thing is, we're supposed to really, we're supposed to really connect with that Bill Bixby character, and I imagine maybe in a short story that's easier to do. But everything is just so weird, and like. 
it, we're so unsure of why he doesn't just leave all the time that it's like, I don't really, I can't buy it in this episode of the show. Because I'm like, just leave. You, you're ready to leave like five times. Yeah. And I know she's like sex magicking you like back into it, but I, I, it, I'm not really buying it. No. Um, so also, it, the thing he's translating, it's not like he's translating the spell to bring the brother back. He's just like translating, oh, by the way, sorcerers can come back. Yeah. And it's just like the knowledge of that. It's like, because it seems like Vincent Price is like, has like thought his brother was coming back. And that's why he wants this translated, because he wants to find out if that's what's happening or if it's something else. So he gets it translated and he's like, oh, my brother's definitely coming back. Fuck. And why would translating this cause a curse on you? Like, why is there this weird protection of information? Well, it's like magicians and their secrets, Alex. You can't tell a magician's secret. If I were to tell you how David Blaine did one of his tricks, oh, those magicians would come down on me. Hmm. Though we might be able to find him and book him for the crimes that he's done. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, if any information you I'd have, Brad, or our listeners, as far as, like, send in those reports. Uh, listen, I will only for the reveal show. one magician's secret, and that's the fucking Copperfields making the Statue of Liberty disappear. Yes, yes. Because that's hilarious. Um, because how they did that was everything was on a giant turntable. And so the shots of the uh, when they moved, when they pulled down the curtain and the audience gasped because the Statue of Liberty wasn't there. Um, that was filmed for television. But if then you would have seen the entire audience look over and like, oh, there it is over there. I guess we moved slightly and didn't realize it. <laughs> but in reality, there was no trick at all. They just moved very slowly over the course of the program. And so the statue wasn't where they were anticipating it to be. Because I know somebody that worked on the crew of that shoot. That is pretty ingenious. I mean, that's the whole point of illusion. Yeah. Like that's but it's neat. an illusion that wasn't even a real illusion. Because, like, everyone in the audience was just like, what? Oh, my God, he did it. Oh, there it is. What? <laughs> but they just, uh... didn't, they just didn't show that, oh, there it is, <laughs> for television. They cut that part out. Make sure you have a camera on every person's face so that we can extend the shock of them seeing it over the course of five minutes. Yeah. Because yeah. it really only lasts for 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Because then they slightly turn their head and they're like, oh, there it is. Come at me, magicians. Brad, there is a curse. But you didn't have to translate that. That's just the facts. That's just a fact. I told a magician's secret. Come at me with your cards <laughs> and your rabbits and your hats. Brad, you're going to start having rabbits come out of all of your uh, clothing. Your shoes, Ugh. your hats. Your bunnies popping up. terrible. Just having, like, fucking rabbits all over. Ugh. You're going to reach in your pockets. Go, Ow! Get a paper cut on a card. Playing card. Ah. It's going to be your number. Hey, is it, what's in your pocket? Ow! It's a fucking rabbit! God damn it! That's right. It don't spill me. my secrets again. Yeah. Don't fucking... Don't fuck around again. All right? Don't do that. Don't okay. fuck around again. <laughs> I'm like I'm sick. I'm sick. You assholes fucking around. Copperfield. Hey, by the way, by, by the way, by the way. Hey, hey, what's on the bottom of your shoe? What's that? It's gum, motherfucker. God <laughs> damn it, Blaine. You deserve it. So, best dressed, worst dressed, or who won and who lost? Who won? Who lost first? Let's do. Let's do that. Because obviously Fern won because this is her racket game, and that's cool. I respect her for it. She's getting hers. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Be you. Um, loser, I mean, clearly, is Vincent Price, right? Like, yeah, he died. He was played. And he killed his brother, who he, I, I would assume, loved, but through the yeah. magic, he was kind of coast, like the, the thirst for power 
he was uh, led astray. Could happen to any of us. So best dressed, worst dressed. They're a cult uniform for the Midnight Mass or Black Mass. That's just black with a hood and then like that red cross. Kind of channels like a faux medieval vibe, but I dig it. My favorite outfit in all this is Fern's like sequin dress. Yeah, I think it has to be. I mean, it's the I, nicest I, outfit of all of them. I, I love a corduroy jacket, but he's also wearing like this like brown shirt with it. It's just mustard on mustard. Yeah, that's not gonna I'm work. Like, I don't like that. That dress is a very nice dress. It's just yeah. cool. Like it's like it's the only thing in this I see and are not like okay. It's more like oh okay neat. That's a good. Sh- that's a, that's nice. That's good fashion. Yeah. If, that, if they had a different shirt with that jacket, I would have given it to Bixby, but nope. Who's Vincent the worst Price dressed? looks ridiculous at all times. Maybe it should be Vincent's the worst dressed. No, because it's not. It's not as egregious as some of these other outfits. It's just not good. Like he's wearing clothes. He's like he, he's wearing old man clothes. Well, then what's like the worst? Rumpled suit. I think it's it's between the star like sweater and uh, Bixby's uh, mustard ensemble. See, I give the mustard ensemble a pass. As much as it yeah. is, I mean, I, there's something about that I think is still presentable. That star shirt or whatever the fuck that is is not. That's just a bad choice. So Fern wins and loses best dress, worst dressed. Which I can is- go with it. By the way, um, the good also has a very nice collar. Yeah, so Dad is kind of in the middle. Dad comes out okay. Yeah. He lives. He's a goat, but he gets spaghetti every dinner. So what up? All right. Well, that's 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 uh, night that's gallery. Uh, night gallery. It's a fun little show. It's a fun little show. I wonder if we should return to it in future holiday seasons or even this one. We'll we'll see. Defo. I have crossed oceans of time to find you, Ramjack. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Alex. That's Brad. You can get at us at our website, ramjackpodcast.com. Uh, there you can see all the avenues to get in contact with us, whether it's the phone, voicemail, or uh, email. Um, you can also join the Facebook group, which I highly recommend. It's a fun time. Indeed. Uh, we actually have a, a voicemail from Pernasek oh, forever do? ago that we have not that we have not played yet. Oh, John, I'm so sorry. Yes, yeah, it's here. It's, just, it's, lo- it's been long episodes, late nights, crazy times. Hey, Ramjack, this is John Pernasek from the Chicago Ramjack Station. Just wanted to call in with a quick thought on extreme couponing. I think an argument could be pulled from the Ramjack archives that extreme couponing is a direct result of late-stage capitalism. I think an argument could be made, at least, that people who sort of dive into the lifestyle of extreme couponing are, in a way, sort of reacting in full panic mode to the society and economic <laughs> tiers that they live in, uh, and they're desperate to sort of make something of that. Now, do I condone thievery? No, but I think that, you know, the people who go out and get that done, they swipe those newspapers in a desperate bid for more coupons. I think that's gaming the system, and I know Ram Jack is purportedly all for gaming the system and finding a way to <laughs> kind of, you know, kick out the gears of capitalism and make your own space, make it work for you. So I think we should be a little more kind to extreme couponers. I don't think we should necessarily, I don't think we should necessarily, as Brad uh, says at one point, I don't think we should tell them to devote more time to making more money. I think that, I think this is, 
this is banker Brad talking now. I think Brad is turning into evil banker Brad, and soon he's going to be uh, screaming at Jimmy Stewart, and he's going to alternate between screaming at Jimmy Stewart and laughing in his face because he's a poor, dumb sod who doesn't know how to make money. Uh, it's a slippery slope. I don't want evil banker Brad to uh, reap his ugly head one day. Uh, and that's my opinion on extreme couponing. Didn't know I had one, but there you go. Uh, Jonathan, hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Um, listen. How dare you? Listen. No, I'm kidding, uh, First, extreme couponers. Um, first of all, we're talking about coupon fairies. Um, extreme couponers, um, both monsters. Both monsters. Listen, if you want to figure out a way to, like, beat the system, like, beat the system, steal, learn to steal shit. But don't, like, steal coupons. Steal the actual fucking products. Like, don't steal mail. Like, from from your neighbors no like if you're gonna steal any mail st- at least steal it from like your your richest the richest person in your city <laughs> like at least do that much steal from Find the right the people richest person don't, in your city and steal don't their steal mail. don't steal within your class like no fuck that no that's just that's infighting fuck that like you no take down the people that are actually the problem like take down the rich people but steal their shit don't just steal like their fucking coupons don't save 35 cents on six fucking deodorants no like like fucking actually fix it do you actually deal with the problem not this fucking couponing shit ugh no you're a monster if you're an extreme couponer if you're stealing coupons all of it fuck that shit gross. I'm sure it's very hard to be a parent. I know there's a lot of things weighing on your mind. Which uh, Darth Vader book am I am I going to uh, am I going to read to the to the little ones? Um, what do I do when grandpa comes over and is chewing up all my tin cans? Um, a lot, lot of problems. But one piece of advice. But as the Ninja Turtles taught us, keep the baby away shredders they know why do you have a shredder what year is it what do you what documents do you have that you're shredding you you have to put a thousand dollars in an envelope so that you can buy tickets why do you have a shredder who why you are put, you why did you put it why 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 did you have a thousand dollars in an envelope just use your credit card are you have you bank? heard of a savings account yeah i don't like i don't get it did you have to pay it in cash that's weird why does the University of uh, Utah need your cash money for your season tickets? That doesn't seem like an up-and-up operation. No, oh, sketchy as fuck. Sound.
Midnight hour is close at hand Creatures crawl in search of blood To terrorize your neighborhood And whosoever shall be found Without the soul for getting down Must stand and face the hounds of hell And rot inside a corpse's shell Ha ha ha!